0: Sigmar story phase. Grab your hammer so we can clear a path through the chaos and forge our own narratives in the Age of Sigmar. Your allies on the march this episode are... Hey, I'm Paul. You know what today is? It's Saturday, 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 here for
1: Monster
2: Trug. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, hey, it's Pavin, I'm here. Um, my, my bit is, uh, oh, the great flaming wheel in the sky keeps on turning. Oh, I don't know where this Dawnbringer crusade will
3: be tomorrow. Ooh, I like it. And then, hey, it's Will. Do you know why Pontifex Zenestra is such a good advisor? Why? Because she only has wheelie good ideas.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I'm Aaron. And um, just so you guys know, I actually read this text in the uh, in the classical languages. And there it's known as Donbringer's Et Tu brute. (laughs) Uh, And in this episode, we cover the lore of Dawnbringers, Reign of the Brute. Uh, The forces of destruction are not done yet. They've come to close out the Era of the Beast with a slam and a bam and like a kick and a stomp. And there's some smashing and all sorts of other destruction verbs as well. Let's see how many we can come up with throughout this episode. But before we do, how are you doing tonight, my fellow weird brutes? (laughs) That's you guys.
3: I'm doing good. I'm also glad I went with my second choice instead of the first because... You took it. Oh, was it really? <laughs> really? No yeah, yeah. I was going to do an et tu Brutus joke, <laughs> That's uh, fun. but you shattered that. I up on the anvil. Hey, another good uh, mm-hmm. destruction
0: verb. All right, we're starting to tally, listeners. Please keep tabs for us. Um, I think once in the history of this of, of the show has anyone have two people done a very similar intro at the same time. Um, but this is a fun little glimpse into. It mortal Kombat sister i can't remember what it, what it is i bet you um klaus knows when two people did the same intro yes get on it klaus
1: what other warhammer podcast are you going to get two people you know ruthlessly <laughs> destroying shakespeare together for the same time <laughs> right
0: <laughs> ruthlessly um no ruth's there that's for sure i would say brutally um, but yeah yeah definitely true um all right cool hey guys i'm glad we're here we're back in the saddle again the same the same crew i guess i think we're all going to be on the hook for any future Dawnbringer episodes as well. You guys have uh, written this in blood. Um, but we're here to talk about, like I said, the John Bringer's Reign of the Brute. No rhyming uh, in that one. Um, but before we do, as always, I'd love to ask you fine folks what you've been up to in the hobby. And so we're going to go in the same order as before. Hey, Paul, what you have been doing?
1: Uh, well, I painted up my uh, Games Day exclusive Chaos Warlord. Uh, the running guy, um, This kind of has been around and felt like working on him. So I've got him all done. Um, and then at the moment I'm actually working on the man, the legend, the myth himself, Trug. Thank you, DDW for sending us for that. Uh, so I'm, I'm having a ball or a baller time uh, in this destruction fest.
0: Baller. I love to hear it. Uh, very cool. Um, are you, or does it give up too much away to say, are you doing anything weird to him? Or are you just, are you just putting them together as is?
1: I had to do something weird to him because my Trogoth army is all converted. So if I didn't, he would have looked really weird with my Trogoth army. So sure, it's it's the
0: normal model is what's going to look weird. Sure, okay. I, <laughs>
2: okay.
0: Um, all right, neat. Uh, hey, Paven, what you been up to in the hobby, my dude?
2: Yeah, uh, hey, uh, I've been doing a little bit of painting here and there between summer plans. I finished up a Free Guild general uh, and his friend his um <laughs> models uh yeah those were great uh it was really fun to do and now i'm working
0: on some weird brutes they're a part of the nice so weird a collection of stuff i'm gonna already i can tell i'm i feel like i'm gonna be left out when we come around the horn
3: here but we, hey, hey what would you <laughs> been working on in the hobby yeah now? um yeah i've been working on my dawn bringer crusade of hobgrats and then decided to take a break to go a little hog wild because uh, I have assembled the Mogranta uh, received from Games Workshop. In my, oh,
0: I mean, I'm happy for you,
3: but yes, I am. I
0: will be the odd man out. I
3: predicted yeah. it. Um, but since <laughs> I'm, I'm also going to use it for that army because it shares the same base as the Griffin, I put wings on it. So now I'll have a Hobgrod army when pigs fly.
0: <sighs> okay, geez, Louise, know, <laughs> we're we're done here. <laughs> 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 All right, um, how? I, it didn't occur to me when this until like very recently that there's a couple options in building out the big pig thing.
3: Yeah. Are you, are you, which one are you doing? So I'm doing the hero version, I guess. Um, cause the, the three ways to build it are you can have the hero on it who isn't, he's just holding the chains, but, and that's the hero version. And then he's got two people on the side. There's the elite version which is just a different orc is riding it, but there's still people on the side. And then the final one is there's no one on the side. So I put a hobgrot and a horns of a should model as my side riders, uh, to tie it into the rest of my army. Okay,
0: cool. And actually going backwards, Pavin, it didn't occur to me, but I think your box can be done two different ways too. Are you doing the weird guys or the other? Yeah. Ones? The weird brutes. Yeah. Okay. Like, Those yeah, are probably yeah. the cooler ones. Those are fun. Yeah. Um, are they as fanatic-y as they seem, just like on the cover of the box? I don't know if you've gotten that far into them.
2: Like uh, the- yeah, I've assembled and i I'm, I'm gotten some some base coats down. I, I didn't think about that until you just mentioned it. They do have the spike ball on-chain motif mm-hmm. going, uh, but they're as far as like the fanatics have a real wild posing,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: they just seem more like big, beefy orcs swinging chains around.
0: Nice. You must never break them. I heard that somewhere. Um, never break the chain. It's a, it's a song. Um, what have <laughs> I been working on? Uh, I did finally finish all my corn dudes assembly, um, but now, like, I've been. Now I'm scared. Like now that I have to do some paint stuff, and I don't really w- want to, but um, I have to. Aaron, you have to do it. Um, so that's what I've been working on most recently. I did also just my own sanity start clipping more war cry terrain out as well in preparation it was a good a nice little break I had needed a break from all the tree and the trees and the, the leaves and stuff from the wood forest because those things will kill your soul and also your body I guess um, as they eat you so uh, the corn things that I was assembling was a nice little break for that now I can dive back into just trees as far as the eye can sees um, so that's what I've been working on not very interesting right? same, same stuff I usually am um and i think that's probably it does anybody else got anything else that that they've been working on that they want to chat about no cool really close to the story phase almost there but not quite um because before we do let's dive into some moral realms plugs real quick as if these listeners didn't already know all this stuff because they're listening to the show right now but it's it's a good reminder um for for example you can find more episodes of this podcast and all our other shows at themoralrealms.com check it out uh it's a good little website I, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that because I made it, but still. Um, <laughs> you can email us your feedback at mortalrealms@gmail.com at There is no the in that email address. It's just mortalrealms at gmail.com. Um, I've been begging you people to send us emails, and you never, ever do. Uh, it's hard not to take that personally. Um, so maybe today's the day you send an email to mortalrealms@gmail.com Maybe today's uh, the day where we break that streak. Um, you can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash realms to support the show. You can get early releases of the story phase and access semi-exclusive content uh, like Pocket Realms, which is short story phases hosted by Davey and myself, um, or maybe a little Warhammer Bros. Sorry to put you on the spot, Paven, but like, where are we at with any uh, any additional episodes, my man?
2: Uh, yeah, I'm talking to my brother, man. He's been uh, not returning my call. <laughs> So I don't no. know if I went too hard uh, into the. No, <laughs> oh, no, we've been talking to him. He's got some uh, just kind of a busy summer to deal with. Okay, sure. um, but I'm hoping to get back on the uh,
0: on the horse pretty soon. Ooh. Gotcha. you say, I got to talk to your brother. No, I don't want to talk to your brother. I want you to talk to your brother. Record it so I can listen to it. Uh, Um, That's the ideal. Um, But yeah, check out that Patreon, folks, if you are interested. But if you cannot or do not want to pitch in monetarily, which is totally fine, then head on over to your podcast service of choice and give us a review or like a star rating. I think those are the only two things you can do typically. I mean, if there was a third thing, I would, I would have you do that too. Um, but instead maybe you could just go ahead and tell a friend about the mortal realms too, I suppose. Um, normally I make a joke about like maybe an enemy or like a stranger or something like that today. Let's just focus on friends today. Your homework is tell a friend about the mortal realms. Let's not complicate things. Um, let's keep it pretty simple. Um, so that's it. Uh, one final thought before we go any farther is we will be talking about the Dawnbringer's reign of the brute, which is a book that GW actually provided to us such that we might read it and then review it, which is what we're going to do. Um, so we'll say thank you to GW. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. All right. Uh, that's out of the way. Let's do a little bit of a story phase. Hey, Paul, would you take us there?
1: The story phase in the story phase, we delve into the stories, characters, creatures, and environments of the nine
0: realms we sure do okay so another one of these campaign books here um a couple things have happened prior to this book and we've done episodes on them so if folks really want to get caught up obviously the recommendation is hey go back two episodes listen to our Dawnbringers, harbingers yes i know it's pronounced harbingers um episode and then Honestly, probably go back and listen to the Cities of Sigmar Battletone episode, which, ironically enough, just released to the general pu- public today. Um, but you've got plenty of time to go listen to those episodes just to catch yourself up. However, if you're obstinate and you absolutely refuse to do so, and this is the only one you want to listen to, we'll do you a solid, even though you're not making it easy on yourself. Uh, and we'll try to catch you up real quick. And so I'm going to ask you guys, of the most recent events that have just happened, real quick, real fast, high level, what are the things that people have to know going into this book Um think of it as a previously on the mortal realms um so in no particular order there's no wrong right or wrong answers that's not true there's lots of wrong answers um what do you think folks
3: have to know going into this story so first thing is in the harbinger's book we have the like prelude to these crusades that were going on we see the situation in actually where they feel like they need to push forward Um, And we see this conspiracy happening inside the city of these four big people that may lead to major plot threats down the road. And then in Gairan, we have them dealing with the sickness and settlements um, that are sort of being destroyed because of the sickness, where they now kind of need to do the crusades to go back and retake some of those areas. Too true. I like it. What else do you guys got?
1: I'm going to go with um, the third ed core rulebook actually is a great thing to read before this because it really feels like this is what everything has been building up to. If that makes sense, like we've been like, oh, Dawnbringer Crusades, third, third rule book. Great. Where are they? Well, they're here. This is where they are, right? Like, oh, Arrow the Beast. Like, where are these like super cool big beasts that we're talking about? Oh no, we got Incarnine. We got Trug. Like we're getting it now. Like, I feel like this is where we enter into the storyline moving forward from the third ed core rule book, even though we've had some other threads and stuff going on. Like this really feels like it
0: to me. Sure. Sure. Paven, are there any items, uh, plot developments that folks need to know about coming into this book? Nah,
2: I mean, yeah, you need to know what the Dawnbringer crusades are. Like have Mm -hmm. be familiar with what that is. I guess we, the, the book defines it, but you don't really need to read book one to jump into book two. Uh, because it was all like, yeah, like we're getting ready for the crusades, but now the crusades are happening, and so let's just it kind of just
0: starts, starts at the beginning of the crusade, sure. We're winding up. I agree with you, you know, need is maybe a strong word. Maybe one thing that could be fun for you to know going into this book is that uh, a fire slayer contingent was fleeing from the wilds of Ash, claiming that there was this giant beast that ruined their magma hold and uh, that's why they were coming to warn the city and so like that little thread is kind of interesting and obviously we know that it's going to end up yeah. paying off in this book so i mean spoiler alert, we'll get to it but um that's a fun uh teaser in a previous book i like when there's teasers yeah. that get paid off eventually
3: yeah, and I'm on record in that episode saying, well, they won't make a model of that, surely. So what's the point? And I don't know why you called me, surely. <laughs> but um, mm. was it only you? Because someone was
0: saying in the Discord that like that was all of us. I don't know. I, I thought that I know was. I said it okay. for sure.
3: And maybe everyone else agreed. Sure, because we didn't want to uh, hurt your feelings. And, yeah. um, um. I will say there was another plot point from the Cities of Sigmar book that may be relevant. I mentioned the first. Dawnbringer's book had that cool conspiracy that may tie into future stories. Mm. That's already taken care of by the time this book starts, uh, and that happens in the Cities of Sigmar battle tome. Um, Talia Vedric goes in and she cleans up shop, and she sort of reforms the Hammerhall army and takes the lead as the first marshal. And the Cult of the Wheel kind of take charge as well, like on the religious side, and that is the Crusades that are launching. So it's like the how you envision the cities of Sigmar in book one, there has been reforms between book one and book two that happened in a different battle tome. Yeah.
0: You can kind of see why it needed to go in that order, right? Why they needed to do book one, then the battle tome. That, why this, I mean, they didn't have to do anything. They're writing their story. Yeah. They can make up whatever they want. But like, you can see why the story progressed in that way. Um, yeah.
1: Okay. I think the other thing that I would read beforehand is uh, the short stories on Warhammer Community. Because yes. those are super sweet and they tie in directly.
0: Yeah, that is true. Um, yeah. Those are I love. I mean, I love these. I love campaign books, but I also I maybe one of the reasons I like campaign books is because they also release the short st- stories around them, so that like it really is a good context and it really flavors and fleshes out um, the stories that that read in the books can be kind of. Um, encyclopedic or, or a little, I mean, there's, 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 you know, high drama and stakes and action and stuff like that, but like maybe it lacks a little character. So like the short stories are
3: yeah. where you're going to find
0: the character, um, for these,
3: uh, for these events. Yeah. The, the, especially the Dawnbringer books and the, what was I was going to say broken realms books. It feels like someone is writing them after the fact, like is like a, some sort of scholar who was there is like trying to write everything down from their point of view, Trying to be as objective as they can, as opposed to those short stories, which is like, we are watching them as a bodiless entity.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, any other uh, things that folks need to know before going into this book?
1: I was just like, be prepared for like an awesome story, right? This one, to me, is a lot more like, I remember everything that's going on. Like, this was totally engaging to me. Book one feels like, at this point, like, this is, this is the scene setter, right? Book one is like, yeah. this is what you need to know. Like, this is what you could know. That'd be kind of cool. Book two is like, yeah. all right, stuff's happening now. Like, we're, we're getting to the meat of what's going on, right? Let's get some smashing and bashing in.
3: Yeah, I remember we were saying, like, oh, book one, this feels like a prologue. And we kind of hit the hill on the head because it was, like, not as eventful as the story that we are moving into now. I'm glad you guys think so. Yeah. Um, cool. Hey, let's stop beating around the bush. Let's get into
0: the to the to the, to the meat of it all, the interesting stuff. Um, let's dive into some plot. All right, so uh, like the first book, this book is broken up into two, like, settings or arenas or what have you, in that, like, we are dealing with both actually and Guyran yet again. Um, get used to it people um in the book this one leads with the um sort of the events as they unfold in Akshi um who wants to start us off so we're, we know we're dawn bringing we're bringing that dawn um what's the, what's this crusade look like where do they go where are they headed what uh, what's up first come first serve
2: all right i'll, I'll kick us off here so the and crusade so the dawn the dawn bringers are here um and one of them is the is coming forth from a hammer hall actually uh, it is characterized by being heavily militarized and heavily um, industrialized, kind of like the, the the city is. And so they bring a lot of firepower, they bring a lot of guns, uh, they bring a lot of cannons, kind of aligning with the recent uh, miniatures release that just happened for Cities of Sigmar. Um, that's their jam. Um, so they that's, that's kind of the look and feel, a lot of steam tanks, um, these kind of guys, and then a large kind of religious fanatic contingent um it, 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 the, the the people that are there that are important um i have on my list is first marshal talia vedra which is uh our our, our new our new hero that rides the manacore, um otherwise known as the lioness of the parch and she's in charge um, she's like the the general and the leader, and um, people, all the soldiers love her because she's a um, you know she's one of the troops. Uh, but also, folks of note uh, in addition to her are Pontifex Zenestra, who is kind of a religious uh, holy person and also a new miniature. Um, yeah. I always think of like, do they have a miniature? Is also how much blood armor they have, yeah. right? <laughs> yes. I can't help it. Um, Yeah, and so Pontifex Zenestra is there, and then as well as um, yeah, he becomes more important later. But uh, kind of as the second in command on the military side is Marshal Deridian Malchorn. Oh, but Um, he must have a model too, right? Then like he's he's, he's uh, oh no, no. he is is represented by uh, a few models. Okay, good. (laughs) He's not a named miniature. which can bode ill or um, well for some. For i I'm sure things. it'll be fine. I'm sure um, it'll be okay. It'll be good. I have, two, I have two questions for the for the group. Yes. Um, one is did I miss anybody? And two, was our boy
0: Fiori supposed to be here? Uh, I wish he would have been. Um, I don't think you missed anyone. No. But I, I think Fiori being the Fire Slayers already got their spotlight. I mean, I know we were predicting that maybe he wouldn't, like maybe he would be this through line, but I, I think this book is evidence that he will not be. And uh, he served his purpose.
2: He had a good, no, he yeah. had a great story, which is he's like the last surviving member of his sure. Magma hold. What, you get
0: to, continue to, live. to live for a reason. We, the listeners, get to continue his his, his story um, in our imaginations and on our tables at home.
3: Yeah. And, you know, maybe it's better for him if he isn't a part of this, because one of these crusades is going to fail, so <laughs> this yeah, might maybe, be how he survives. <laughs> maybe
2: it's a mark against this crusade that it that he's not there. So I remember our, yeah. you know, our predictions were like, well, if Fury's there, it has to succeed. It would be cool. Yeah. He, was like, he slept in, and then the crusade <laughs> already happened. It's yeah, amazing. well,
3: now they have Talia Vedra there for the whole crusade, so they're, they're oh,
2: probably good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's going to be
1: fine. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. I, I, will, yeah, I will point out that uh Hammer Hall um actually is uh all full of red shirts. Um so mm-hmm. I mean yeah. I don't know how that bodes for their crusade. I'm just gonna kind of point that out. So they changed Are, aren't their colors orange now.
3: Or, uh, they go between red and orange. They allow individual soldiers to kind of pick.
1: But it's, I just, it's one of them colors, yeah. I know the joke doesn't work if they wear orange, Baven, that's all I know. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> I like the joke. It was a good one. Um, and then you didn't miss any people, but one thing you you kind of mentioned like how they were going out on crusade, bringing a lot of artillery, and like how it's representing the city. They also point out that it's kind of representing the realm that the action side is very hot headed, and they're like, "Yeah, let's just run out there, do this real quick. We'll we'll beat anything that gets in our way, and we're just going to rush forward and take care of this." Like representing that action like hot red fire blood that they have. And it kind of
0: comes to fruition like immediately, right? So they set out, mm-hmm. um, they, 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 they head out into the wilds, they're heading uh, east towards like the like the adamantine chain i don't know if that's specifically where they're going but yeah. heading out in that yeah. direction and like area for sure oh there you go yeah and one of the first adversaries they even come across was um a bunch of i think iron jaws which it was yeah. at this point where i was reading i'm like all right well that's quick like the new models are already made, already gonna get dropped right in that's okay cool kudos to you guys um turns out these are uh what would the these are nameless faces not like iron jaws that don't matter um Err it's the blood punches clan. I'm sorry, I shouldn't, I shouldn't diminish the blood, blood punches, <laughs> um, which I guess it didn't, I didn't put two and two together, but like, if. We actually is known as a place that has a lot of corn presence, right? And so, like presumably, the Iron Jaws fight a lot of like corn followers. So, like blood punches. Yeah. yeah okay, I, I get that. Um, mm, yeah, I, I will say they are
2: they are named very closely or, or very uh, to to my own Iron Jaws force, oh. which are the Blood Cutters. Okay. Oh, oh. perfect. <laughs> Gw, you're on notice.
0: DM, Um I mean. Some of us dream dream to have our stuff in official TW uh, content, but not Paven. No, he draws a line. <laughs> well, especially not like this, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because they they serve to be the, the punching bags, right? To show to really show uh, to highlight how you know effective the new cities of Sigmar, you know, Dawnbringers are. Um, sure, there's a little bit of back and forth initially. They you know they form up their lines, their lines get smashed up, but then uh, Talia comes rolling up on her bat-winged but not really bat-winged manticore mm. um mm-hmm. and sort of comes to you to save the day
2: yeah she uh, it was cool that she she fights the the mega boss which was the leader of the blood punches uh i think his name uh i wrote it down here grow claw Daripa, um and the she rides up and the manticore just like stings him a bunch of times and then she cuts his head off uh
0: and wins the day yeah um, I was joking. The book does say bat winged. Yeah. Not to, not to goof on, you know, a mistake in the book, but like this is, I mean, it's a, what are we going to do? We have to fill the air somehow. So like, that's how I'm going to do it.
3: Um. And it's, sh- it just is worse because the next page is a huge paint, like art piece of the manticore with its big feathered wings. <laughs> Yeah, true, true. I
0: mean, one of the coolest parts of the Manticore is its feathers, wings. Like, yeah, maybe
1: they have feather uh, bats. We don't know. It's the mortal realms. They can have anything. Yeah, it's true. Feathered bat. I mean, come on.
3: Yeah, true. that is true.
0: I'm, I'm going to be real embarrassed if like the next yeah. thing that comes out is a bat with like feather wings. Um, caught me. Squidgens, <laughs> um, they're coming. Yeah, so coming uh, it's. It goes to show that, you know, this shows the effectiveness of, of Talia and with her at the helm, this crusade presumably cannot fail. Um, so onward, she leads to wait. What happens next?
3: Uh, yeah. Next, she gets a message from her uh, Whisperblade. Uh, Eircus Yalt, who is only referenced in this one sentence, uh, turns out leaving uh, Hammerhall with your entire army. Probably not the best idea. Uh, when you live in the land of corn, who immediately just started attacking the city. So she took herself a good portion of the crusade and all of the storm cast and then turned around and went back home. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Guys, I don't know. Is this the right time to talk about this or do we need to do it later? I'm not sure, but it needs to I think it needs to be discussed. Um, what? That excuse me? That's not. Is that the story we're telling? That seems poorly devised am i wrong did anybody else have an issue
3: with this because lord knows i did i i know what they're doing with it which is do it better need, keep going yeah they they want to set up this crusade as having struggles and being on the back foot so that in the final book guess who comes riding over the hills with a huge army of stormcasts to save the day Okay, good prediction i hadn't thought about that i just
0: figured it needed to struggle um, I didn't bring it to his logical conclusion.
3: Yeah, but they could have done
2: it. It, it made sense ways. because a lot of the first book was talking about how ill-advised it would be to launch mm-hmm. these Dawnbringer Crusades right now with like all yeah. kind of the problems the cities were having. Um, so it, there is a logic to, like, immediately after they, like, deplete their armies and send them out, they get attacked. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, we have to send, you know, a fifth of the army back to defend the city. That That makes, you know...
3: Within the, anyone within the could logic have seen that. Editing, it makes well, and two people did see this well, um, yeah. in the Warcom story, and even in this book, Callis and Toll are talking like, "This is not a good idea. This is going to end poorly." But we're not going to tell her that because she just killed four people that disagreed with her. So, zip. Do yeah. you think she didn't realize? Like of all people,
0: I would have thought she would have the one who would have been the one who knew better. Um, do you think that she was oblivious to the threat to this like city? I mean, she killed like four city leaders in one night.
1: I no, don't I think that she thinks twice about things all that often, right? It even says in the book, right? So how could she be any good at her
0: job if she did not consider this even a little bit?
1: I mean, well, hey, well. she just you know was elected by killing other people like this
2: year. I mean, come on, give her a chance to settle in.
3: Yeah, you can see the violence inherent in the system. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, I also think this was more of a, like, this wasn't a regular run-in-the-mill attack. This was, like, a huge, um, a, a bigger-than-average blood-bound army, which they yeah. talk about how, like, it's it's a, one of the seasons that Hammerhall deals with is, like, you know, blood-bound. foreign invasion. Yeah. Um, and so it was a bigger-than-average uh, uh, one of those attacks, and a Skaven infestation at the same time. Yeah, I forgot what yep. it was, like, okay. We weren't ready for the once, you know, we were ready for the uh, the yearly invasion, but not the, you know, once every yeah. two decades level of attack.
3: And they follow up a little bit at the end of the book, in like a different section, so I'll talk about it then. But this whole and attack on Hammerhall does pull on like threads that have been hinted at in other books, which is yeah, also true.
1: So the part that me was like, oh, come on. This seems like not great. Was um, when that in that t- callous and toll conversation, where they're like, Oh, they have us outnumbered. I see. It's like Claw Scuttler hunting back in Excelsis. And I'm like, Don't you mean like? getting destroyed every three years back in excelsis like did you have to reference <laughs> an animal that doesn't exist yet in the mortal realms can't you just be like remember when Kragnos came and then remember when the zombie came the zombie army came and then remember when all the dead came you know like there was so much stuff going on in excelsis so i was like oh that's where i expect like the the more like don't you remember what happened in excelsis everything fell apart when we decided to go and do other things right so
0: but that was like a Tuesday for them. Like, that's no big deal. Like, it's more important, the claws, or hunting thing. Anyways, to hear you guys defend Talia leaving and then turning around and coming back
3: is insane to me. But all right, fine. I'm not you know defending. I'm saying. I'm saying that's what they're doing. I don't think it's great. Yeah. It's just, it's it's like a big banner of like, she will return later. It, it definitely looks bad. I'll yeah. say that. Yes. Yes. Like, bad you go out on a crusade and
2: then like one week later you have to come back. Yeah, it looks super bad. Sure. I mean,
0: I've lasted like Boy Scout camp longer than she did on the (laughs) Crusade. Admittedly, one was a little bit more trying, um, but you know what? I don't know if they had Boy Scout camps for her to go to. So, like, there's, there's that. Um, That was a joke implying that the Boy Scout camp was worse than the Crusade. Anyways, um, so okay, (laughs) she leaves. She heads back to the city, leaving um, uh, two very important characters that will, will. Uh, persist or stand the test of time um, leading uh, this crusade yeah. out into actually
3: Pontifex Sinestra and the other one yeah, yeah they're really Mar- important
2: yeah. I'll give it to you again Marshall Deridian Malchorn.
0: don't forget the name I'm, you know, I'm not going to store that in my brain just more important things for me to remember um, <laughs> like my childhood friend's phone number um, so yeah they, they march out um, as the crusade continues, I think our marshal so-and-so, uh, guy, um, he starts to get a little perturbed because as they go along, he's finding that his troops are really getting more, um, you know, caught up under the sway of Zanestra and her cult of the wheel. Like she already has brought up a fair number of her own fanatics and, you know, followers, but like she, her, her power seems to be growing in this crusade and the marshal is unhappy about that. But what's he going to do? Um,
3: yeah. Religious fanaticism, man. Well, and like the the positive thing for him is that, sure, they're the wheel cult and they've got all their stuff. And but he's got all of these steam tanks that can carry all of this equipment. And, you know, they're motorized and they have these great massive wheels that carry them forward. Oh Wait, no, I'm reading the next page. They steal all of the wheels. (laughs) 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 This is a gimmick that I hope you never stop doing, by the way. It's one of my favorite (laughs) things. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I love this bit of because it's such a stupid like Warhammer type gag of like, it's funny to read. But like in the if you were a person in this crusade and you saw all of these fanatics just taking the wheels off things and running away it would be so frustrating. <laughs> just giggling. But as the reader, it's hilarious. Yeah.
1: It's like living in downtown Chicago and you're like, what am I supposed <laughs> to do now? But in Warhammer, it's hilarious. Like, look at this team
0: tag. It's up on Fricks. It's great. I'm not gonna have you burst. I'm not gonna have you cast dispersions on Chicago. <laughs> yeah, um, Chicago, Chicago. Uh,
1: Look at you right. defending Chicago now. All right, we were <laughs> defending Talia, and now you're defending Chicago. We're even.
0: Yeah, I suppose that's true. Uh, same, <laughs> same diff uh, for sure. And so, yeah, the crusade carries on. It seems as Z- Sinestra's growing in her power, um, and the Marshal is unstoked uh, uh, about this. We can keep talking about them, or we can switch the camera. I'll let you guys decide more to say on the crusade before.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just say that we there's kind of this tension that's set up between the mm-hmm. like kind of secular military and the, uh, real, the kind of religious uh, zealotry in the Crusade, and they like um, the the power the power was with uh, First Marshal uh, Thalia. Um, that she was definitely the leader, and now that she put her second in command in charge, now it's maybe balanced slash, you know, moving more towards um, the pontifex. Um yeah. And, uh, and I'll say with on the wheel point, they do mention that even though they're not using wheels as much, they're actually they're making the same amount of time. Like when yeah. they lack in yep. <laughs> logistical technology, <laughs> they make up for in just a brute brute force marching mm-hmm. um so they're, they're making fine time yeah through the yeah I, I know the blood waste or wherever they are yeah i found uh the
1: pontifex to be one of the more interesting books in the city of sigmar so i actually am pretty happy with this like expanded narrative of like exploring kind of how she operates and and yeah. all this uh like details of how she would run the crusade um i, th- I think it was interesting it, it it's One of the things about this book that I think is really fascinating is that we're functionally having two competing armies from the same force. And not even from the same force, technically from the same city, right? And just exploring the difference between the two. And it's really nice to be in a place in the Mortal Realms where we can do that. And it's not like, oh, but the names are different and they're painted different colors. Like there's an actual full, like to me, full... Lower background that that makes sense for why these armies are kind of making work the way they are, and so i I really appreciated that and it kind of it definitely felt like they were the armies from the cities that they said they were going to be from and um so i th- I thought that was pretty cool um, The big thing for me was i didn't expect Pontifex Sinestra and Talia to be in the same crusade. I thought that was that was a real yeah. interesting power dynamic to begin
3: with well they're not anymore <laughs> right problem solved <laughs> short-lived yeah um yeah at the same time like oh i'm surprised they're both here together
0: oh there it is one more I, I, I get it now yeah um what if, what if uh it's the gyran crusade that is in dire straits and who comes swooping in battalion she's like you know I, mm. I, I left so-and-so in charge on the Ashy one they're they're fine i'll come save the gyran one instead um no, it never comes to that. Uh, it's interesting that like not only does Zanestra win folks over to her cause just by like I don't know sh- pure fanaticism, but like it seems as if she's got some sort of power to draw people to her. and um, that there's this little story, little cutout blurb, or maybe it's its own page, I guess, where like some guy's up in arms about people stealing wheels and stuff, and he's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, that's my, that's dibs! I own that wheel." And she's like, Who can, "You can't own a wheel." And then she like speaks a word and commands him to obey her, and he does and uh, she's like I got I got a lot to teach you um and teach him she does presumably yeah um powerful, powerful lady um I would like to have seen it's too bad I mean there's it there was already a big range you can't make new stuff for everything but I would have liked to seen like what the new fanat like fanatics would have been like new cultists of the wheel um in the army yeah. I know we've got the f- fled flagellates um but like I oh. wanted to see what the new version would be and maybe mm-hmm. we will get those one day any other crusade stuff before we switch the camera real quick to, um, greener pastures. I don't know.
3: Um, yeah, no, just, uh, the last thing is like, after defeating that first group of iron jaws, they're just marching their way to the settlement of truce break where they're going to fill up on all the supplies they need, uh, to continue on to a successful crusade.
0: We hope fingers crossed successful crusade. Um, but uh, fortunately, Spake is a very safe uh, bastion um, out in the wilderness, yeah. and there's uh, nothing could possibly go wrong. Hey, let's go switch over to um, <laughs> another perspective, uh, and that is th- that of our old friend Braggot. Remember, remember, you guys remember Braggot from the, the the first book? I'm sure you guys do. Uh, How could you forget? we forget? Yeah, big old skull on his head. Uh, he was claiming up and down that he had
3: woken some giant. Uh, did he? Did he call it a trog back then? He did call it a, a- A Trogoth with a Realm Gate on its back. Well, he called it a. He said it's the largest Trogoth he had ever seen. Sure. And then the Fire Slayers had said there's a massive Trogoth with a Realm Gate on its back.
0: Okay. All right. Well, surprise. Both of those are true. Um, And uh, that's where we are introduced into uh, Trog, the Trog King, um, who apparently was sleeping. I'll just keep going, I guess. Um, So he was sleeping uh, in Gyran. Which, this is confusing to me because there's a crusade which is in Guyran, mm-hmm. but Braggit wakes Trug up in Guyran, but then mm-hmm. proceeds to kite him through a realm gate to Akshi. So it's, yes. he went from one to the other. It, it, it's, we're going all over the place here. Um, and uh, he knows that wherever he leads him, destruction shall be shall follow. And so that's what he does. Um, what'd you guys learn about Trug? What, what, what stood out to you? Um, talk to me about
3: him. Um, yeah, like you said, he has been sleeping for a long time. He fell asleep in the Age of Myth and then woke up now in the Era of the Beast. And in that time, I thought what the interesting thing is like entire like, civilizations were built around him. And they just saw him as a big rock and just they built things on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically, they don't say it's a realm gate and it's a little small to be a realm gate, but they built a cool little altar gate looking thing that can harness the power of all the realms which is very cool
1: and it has all eight realms carved into it but it's totally not a realm gate i swear totally not a realm gate
3: yeah i it'd be cool to gaze into the people that made this thing but they're not around and the only person who encounters it is trug and he doesn't care yeah Fact, so I don't think it's ever gonna specify.
1: Trug basically is just like, you know, it's a migraine day. Like every day. It's, it's <laughs> the main part of his character. It's just like, he's got a massive splitting headache and he just kind of wants to get rid of his headache. He just wants some aspirin, really. Um, but uh, the book kind of talks about how this Romegate thing is basically just driving him a little crazy. Uh, and he like like aaron said he got kited through to uh the realm of akshi by this Braggot big talker and uh paven i would love to hear your rendition of what happened when um trug caught up to Braggot and his boys um and and what moved forward
2: from there um but you like the battle between uh, uh trug and the
0: goblins yes <laughs> he just likes eats them all. Yeah, <laughs> battle's a strong word. Yeah, right. I wouldn't <laughs> call it that. Um, actually, you get you get you find out about that battle between him and the Grats not in this book, but rather the short story um, that just came out just a couple of days ago. Right? Yeah, like, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, um, Braggart finds this is not in this book guys so spoiler for whatever the shorts for the short story but like he finds uh the dude he he's uh ragged finds trug starts yelling in his ear wakes him up starts to immediately regret his decision as the Trug wakes up starts grabbing people stuffing him in his mouth and so he chases him through these tunnels uh, all the while his whole goblin band getting smashed and smooshed and like he picks up a squig and pinches it between his fingers and it pops um but he's like you know what i can i can work with this and so then that is the start of the uh, kiting through the uh yeah
2: and, and you know what shout out to brag for being the only one to make it into book two <laughs> yeah that's true yeah
3: yeah so he gets kited through and because of the weird realm thingy on his back he doesn't know that he can do this, but Trug can see like the ley lines of the Astra Matrix, And so he sees all these shiny lights and they give him a big headache. So he needs to just go make the lights turn off is like his whole motivation. And as he's stomping through uh, all these other Tragas stop following him. So we have this character who, you know, was put to sleep inside of a mountain in the Age of Myth, slept through until Hilarial's rite of life, woke him up. He wakes up, he sees the lights of civilization, stomps to go destroy it, and is followed by the forces of destruction as a leader who doesn't actually give commands. It's the first of the kind of this character that we've ever seen since Pragnos.
0: <laughs> it took me a second, but I got there with you. I was with you. Um, is it, was it Hilarial um, that woke him up, or was it Braggant yelling in his ear, or was it
3: both? I know, or so, um, it. Like, Elario was, like, the alarm clock that was, like, kind of getting him out of yeah. REM sleep. But it was Braggett that, like, poked him to get that final amount.
1: Yeah, Braggett was the snooze. Being yeah. like,
0: it's time work. to get up. You got to get to work. Yelling, mom yelling from downstairs.
3: Yeah, exactly. The alarm clock. Um, Thing is more time. of the cat swiping your face to give it breakfast. Oh, that's so true. Um,
0: lock mine in the basement because oh. of that. Anyways, uh, <laughs> so... Um, he follows Braga through actually, uh, and then like this sort of catches us up to what we had learned before because it doesn't. In this book, it talks about how he hit those two magma holds, which is where Fury was before, right? So,
2: oh, okay, uh, yeah. So technically, uh, Fury, our boy, was his oh. magma hold was destroyed by Skaven. Yep. It was his yeah. other group, those other group of
0: fire slavers that were complaining about yeah. the, the Trogoths. Sure. Um, good, good, good correction. Um, that's a good point. Uh, let's not forget about Skaven. Um, but at any rate, these are the magma holes that he, that we had known about previously, right? That he had sort of trashed through. Um, and on his way to, um, any, any shining light on the matrix that he, he could turn out. He's basically mm-hmm. a, a grumpy father. Those damn kids left the lights on and he's got to go over and flip those switches. Did they have stock in the electric company? I don't know. <laughs> um, any other, Trug or destruction-based thoughts before we switch the camera back again.
3: Um, no, just that I, I mentioned that he had Tragos following him, but also I'm pretty sure there's a fair number of the other Gloomspike gets um, just following in tow as well.
1: Mm-hmm. I like Trug specifically because he doesn't necessarily have like they. What they did is they took something that was oh. Trogas aren't really intelligent. They just kind of wander into random places and then stuff happens. Right. Mm -hmm. And they managed to give him intelligence by making him dumber because, but he can see these lights, right? Like he still is just like, I don't actually want to go do anything. I'd rather just be sleeping right now, but they've made him a threat because of this whole, he can see the ley lines thing. So I thought that was a cool way of making a character that didn't break the lore of Tragos, that can actually be a threat. So I thought that was fun.
2: Like he, he feels like a true force of destruction, or like mm. he's more of closer to like a hurricane than like a, a thinking being. Mm. He's just destroying these ley lines um, be, it, by route, and everybody else is just coming along, and he's just bringing the the armies with them in a kind of a um, like almost a mathematical way. And that he's much more, I think he's like, I think we're probably going to do the, the, I don't know, destruction monster power rankings um, (laughs) later. But yeah, yeah, he's like more, he's better than Kragnos uh, because like he, he doesn't, you can't trick him because he just does one thing in a straight line. Sure. Um, Yeah.
3: Yeah. And like, even though like the outcome is the same, they both will approach a city and just completely obliterate it with their fists. I do love the difference, in that Craig knows is the end of empires. He's seeking out civilization. Trug is just he's literally tearing apart the Astro matrix itself. He is smashing the things that holds the realms together and not out of any like malevolence. It's just bothering him so it has to go. Which is almost a little bit more identifiable, at least for yeah. me, in that like, yes, he' he's, he's
0: been wronged in some way not even he doesn't think about that like it, it, it's an annoyance or it is he, he is his life is worse because of these ley lines and he's going to do something about it um whereas kragnos is almost as if although he has an ethos it's one that that i don't i, I can't put in myself in his shoes or his hoops or whatever you want to call it where he's like just anti-civilization um i like trug better but then again i'm on record for not really liking Cragnos at all but
2: yeah
3: it's neither here nor there yeah
2: this, this podcast is, has a long history of trash talking Cragnos
3: i i love what he could be but yeah. not where he's at right now
2: cool model so i dig the dig the, dig the yeah. dude cragnos Krag, we're not mad we're just disappointed <laughs> right that's exactly what it is and and the thing is like
1: because he sees magic and wants to kill it like he's basically just like a massive saigor so yeah. he's a better beast of chaos character than cragnos is too even though Kragnos <laughs> is a centaur. Right? Like
3: Yeah. Well, and I love because he can see magic, but he doesn't understand or really care that he can see magic. If any character like Techless or just like any wizard knew that he had this power and they didn't, they would get so mad and jealous. Yeah. Like that he's not even appreciating this cool thing he can do.
1: Yeah. And I love the fact that like the the, the ways that he actually like switches direction and like things happen. Is because he's just like running the the icons into the roof, or like trying to scratch his back. So it's literally just like random flailing that causes different pains. And therefore, like this city got destroyed because I had an itch here, and therefore I I scratched it against this cave wall, and now the ruin of Shayesh is like taken over. So I guess I'm going to go destroy your city, right? <laughs>
0: It it it's fun. Um, I guess while we're still on the topic of Trug, uh, after destroying a bunch of magma holds, um, he also faces off against a corn army as well on his his, on his rampage. And might as well just bring it up now. Um, And that that was kind of fun. It's these campaign books. I think really shine when they put armies that you don't see fight against each other like you, I mean, you see stormcast fight everything right i don't need to see every version of a fight between stormcast and every possible enemy out there for the most part has already existed and reread that um and there's a wide ver- variations of you know different matchups that you see pretty regularly but i don't think i've seen too many gloom spike gets or Trogs, i guess against corn so hey that's a, this is a new one yeah. for me. Uh, at one point like uh, so trog has got the like antlers on his head and at one point like he, he gores and like impales a, a core wrath on it I'm like, all right, cool that's a fun image that i, I didn't know i wanted to think of uh, in my head uh and now it's locked in there so i don't
3: know yeah uh, no i i also enjoyed it i was trying to make a you kind know, of craft uh joke of you could say trug was the real blood puncher yeah
0: <laughs> i would say that
3: <laughs> maybe we'll switch back to the humans unless
0: you guys got other trug thoughts all right here we go all right so crusade rolls up on truce break. They're excited. They think, all right, we're, now we've got this rest, but we've been battling our way across uh, Akshi. We can finally rest. Here's a safe locale. And they uh, come walking through the doors, and it seems as if all the defenders are looking east with with a tremble. Um, they're terrified because word has reached them that some massive force is on its way, and uh, they're in ah. some deep trouble.
3: Yeah, but the collegiate arcane advisors told them it's not worth worrying about because the idea of a Trogoth understanding magic is ludicrous he says it's akin to a gargant taking an interest in holy scripture and we're never going to see a priest gargant show up later in the story
0: i had forgotten about that until you just <laughs> mentioned it do you people have any idea where you live the fact that you would ever utter those words is insane to me
1: um but also there was already a priest gargant in yep. warhammer uh because it was at glimmsforge his bones were buried underneath the walls of the city Yep. And that was one of the reasons why the night haunt couldn't get through.
3: Yeah, there are there are existing gargants who worship Sigmar and help build the cities. Yep. So why would they say that? <laughs> It'd be like saying that's as ludicrous as like elves and Dwarden living in a city together <laughs> as there's just like battalions of them behind them. Yeah. They just all turn and give you a quizzical look. Um, but yeah, the, the realms are infinite and vast and
0: varied and every possible thing that could exist out there probably exists. And for them to be like, nah, they, that could never happen. Um, again, maybe it's just cause we're an audience and we have, it's a, it's a certain type of irony, dramatic irony. I can't remember the types. Yeah, Dramatic um, irony. Yeah. Still low. Uh, but yeah, so they're uh, afeared that um, the drug is a common, even though they don't know his name um, and he's on his way. So the question is, what, what do we what do we do about it? So what what do they decide to do about it?
3: So Pontifex Zanestra is the only person who, like, takes this warning as something to actually be concerned about. And she kind of wants to hole up. But Marshall Malkorn, with his hot action blood, thinks, oh, you know, Traugott, this will be an easy kill. We can show off our cool new artillery, our cool new gun lines, our cool new cavalier models because they're all new models. We're going to do great because mm-hmm. they always let the new models win, right? The new hotness, yeah. Yeah, and so he decides to meet them out in the field. Plus, he thinks this is an opportunity for him to wrangle back some control,
0: right? Like he's yeah. gonna sh- he's going to show uh, everybody what's what. He's not going to uh, you know hide behind the walls. He's going to um, you know through valiant or valor uh win back the hearts and minds of his of his troops and so he rides out with all the like we said the new uh troops to face trog head on um and bring his firepower to bear uh how's that go
2: well he has a good idea in that he wants to use um he wants to you go to an advantage um a place where he has advantage so they have long range guns they want like a really long flat battlefield um and so he sets up their, um, all of their forces um, on Mander's Crest, which is a kind of a maybe a little bit of a plateau uh, in front of a large field. And it's actually protected on three sides by flame geysers or lava geysers. Um, so it's a really defendable position. And they you know, they put the castellite formation um, on that crest, so all the cannons and all the fusiliers. Um, and you know they just kind of wait for the huge goblin and trog army just to kind of run into them, um, and then on top of all that we have two of our favorite mm-hmm. uh, things that aren't models yet but will be someday <laughs> hopefully we have two cog forts rolling into position yeah, yeah. Um, and they're named cog forts uh, Saint Markov and the Lion's Pride are also there so you have like you know you have a a pretty formidable force and. If I can keep going. Please, please do. It goes well. Like this, what, what they like the, the goblins just in trucks just kind of like stupidly run into them and they just blast them away. Um, and, uh, things are going so well. Now our, our boy Maltorn is, um, hungry to get in the action. And so he leads his cavaliers in a charge and kind of demolishes the center of the goblin line charging in. But he leaves at just about the wrong time because there's a flanking maneuver
0: of Boingrot Bounders coming I'm up. I'm hearing the a theme, by the way. This is uh, I'm hearing a recurrent um, <laughs> charging out and then leaving your defense, your stuff defenseless behind you. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, I, I, I think the correct f- term is to
1: sally forth to Mander's <laughs> crest, which yeah. I thought was a really clever pun. Sally <laughs> yeah. Mander crest, get it?
3: Oh.
0: I don't. Like a, that can't like be intentional.
2: Yeah, no, I got it. But there's no way that's intentional. But anyways, keep going. Okay, so Loon Boss the Burner and his boy got Browners uh, take this opportunity to bounce over the lava geysers using their their squigs, and once they're back there, they just wreck uh, like all the cannons and the artillery crew, and they're just a bunch of Quigfield violence, um, and then they they fall into the backs of the fusiliers and the um, the uh, steel helms and stuff, and kind of like kind of wreck up the lines um, before the Cavaliers can turn around and and clear them out. And then maybe it would have still been okay, but um, then Trog shows up, and you know he is a real tough sob. Uh, son of a behemoth. Son of son the a, yeah, a behemoth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: and,
2: uh, and uh he I think 1v1s uh one of the uh, cogforts, I think the yeah. lion's pride, he just like bashes it down. Um and then the battle is lost. Um and uh Maltorn tries to signal the retreat, and some folks get out of there. Uh, but the other cog fort gets all webbed up by arachnarch spiders because that's part of it, and uh, you know a few defenders, including the the general, make it back to truce break. Um, and it's a rough one. Big L for the Dawnbringer Crusade, and big another big win for Trug. he,
0: yeah. just, can't, he just can't lose.
1: And I'm a little on the nose that the Lion's Pride. After the lion of the parch, Talia Vedra left, her pride was destroyed, and also the guy she left in charge.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Because it says, like, when he, even though he survives and gets back to the, to truce break, he's broken. Um, Pontifex Sinastra is now in charge. Yeah. He's lost any, I
0: mean, any sort of power or, um, influence or i can't other words like that uh uh yeah he's proven that he is maybe not fit at this point um, so now the question is now what do they do right they make it back through the gates of truce break uh the grats are hot on their heels um think it's looking dire and i believe it's do, do they come to the conclusion right away that the, the city or the outpost can't be saved like it's a matter of all right well i think we need to yeah. boogie on out of here right
2: yeah, so yeah, I think that's the strategy: is like hold for as long as you can and take their crusade. And I imagine like whatever citizens are left in truce break and make a make a run for it. Um, and Zenestra, one of the things she does is she kind of gives uh, our Marshal Malchorn a little of his groove back, and like, okay, here is your moment of redemption. Hold the gate. This is this is how you make up for your your folly. Uh, And he dusts himself up and he, and I think he leads a pretty good defense and they hold for a while. And, um, and he, I think he switches miniatures at this point (laughs) before he was a cavalier, but now he's (laughs) double pistol free guild general.
3: Yeah. Um,
2: And he holds the, he holds the line and they hold it for a while. But then the, and I think this is the only time they mentioned the bad moon actually shows up. Yeah. Starts crafting up because it's a classic gloomstite gets army and trug shows up smashes through the gates you know he can't stop him um but maltorn is a final act of defiance i don't know they hit a big pile of powder kegs and he sure. blows himself and probably half the city and trug up as a final way of, of slowing them down yeah um, doesn't stop the troll god no it This is all things do, yeah. Yeah,
1: that that is kind of a theme of the regenerating thing isn't stopped by fire, and the lava, like everything in the realm of fire, is not stopped by fire. But everybody in the realm of fire thinks that fire will stop everybody else. Fight fire with fire. You should fight everything
0: with fire.
3: Right? Yeah. There's a great piece of art that's got Trug just a flame bearing down on uh, the cities of Sigmar forces, and it's just so good.
0: Yeah, I'm
3: looking at it right now. Cool as heck. Yeah, the other fun thing is we see, like, I, I made the joke of like, oh, the new models always win. Trug is newer than the rest of the cities the Sigmar models. So we get to see just like him crushing war forgers, like Trug picking up steel helms and just, it's so funny because you think, oh, the brand new Order book is going to have these great moments. And it's just, Anytime they call out one of the new models, it's because they're getting torn apart by Trug and the Gloomspite.
0: Um, it's, it's it, you. You alluded to the hierarchy: the newest model wins. And newest Trug model wins. Is the newest, uh, newest one. Um, that is sprinkle in a few fights before this fight, so that they give some cities. You know, they give the cities a couple wins just to prove, like, that they're capable. To then show how strong Trug is, because if even even he can beat the new guys, it's just a it's turtles all the way down. Um, Right on. So, uh, Truc survives this explosion, and a, a, a chunk of his horde uh, does as well. And although the city's a sigmar, you know, Zinestra at the lead, um, leading the like refugees and survivors and the remnants of the crusade out of the city, but um, they are pursued uh, by the Graz. Um Well, do they do? They catch him? What what uh, what comes next?
2: Well. So they're trying to make a break for the Ember Passes, which are kind of these narrow canyons, which they can, you know, escape down and provide some sort of cover. So they're not just, like, wide in the open. And they're trying to get there. But, you know, people are being... Nets are being thrown on them. Like, people are being captured. Like, it's not... They're not actually escaping. I think the the, the goblins and the the, the... the trolls are faster. Yeah. Um, and then... Thankfully, though, um, and, and Trug shows up as well, and he's on fire and pissed off, and he's also chasing. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, the forces of destruction are not the only one with a special character with a miniature. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, Zanestra calls down her own super move, which is, um, my understanding is, it's a giant, it starts out as like five or eight beams of light, or Mm-hmm. Coming off of her as her at the center, um, and then those beam the ends of the beams connect, and you know you know what it is it's a giant wheel because she is the 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 high priest of the wheel cult, and it's like a white flame wheel, and then it comes down and it starts like dissolving uh, trolls or Trogoths and goblins, and it even hits Trug, knocks his butt down. Um, and kind of like provides cover for everybody to flee. And finally this giant flaming wheel, like makes contact with like the sides of the Canyon and it like collapses the Canyon behind them. So they're able to, um, so the crusade is able to survive and escape. Um, Oh, and, and uh, one other thing that happens is she sends like a whole vanguard of, um, flagellants, um, like uh the, of those uh those those zealots down to like charge into the goblins after they're stunned by the by the giant wheel and those those also by further time for the for the crusaders escape
0: uh i love i love your super move I, I'm, go- I'm glad i'm we're still <laughs> calling on that so yes that is correct she does her ultimate um in her fighting game um the wheel also heals her allies too so it really yeah, does yep. everything there's nothing it doesn't do frankly um and uh, both our named heroes live to fight another day because Trug uh, comes to – he's particularly angry. His headache has not abated. He doesn't see his enemies anymore, but, like, he's still very angry. So uh, I don't know what comes next for him. Either now he's a, he's loose on the world or maybe he comes back uh, in the uh, Domringer's books. But if – what's his name? Um, Vior, or Fiori is any indication – Maybe that's the, end. the last we see a truck anytime. time. Yeah. What did you guys think about the, uh, the ending here of the stories that's it's been laid out? I, I,
2: it feels like we're going the wrong way as far as number of cities that we are establishing. <laughs> right. <laughs> Especially considering what comes next. Right. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Truce, Truce break's been on the map for a while and, but not anymore. God.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's been on the map. It, it gets specifically called out in the cities of sigmar about the newest battle tome is like and there's the new city of Trueprague that may expand into its own metropolis someday <laughs>
0: right. Whoa. they knew what they were doing
3: yeah
0: but yeah it was in the third edition book apparently yep I can tell because I looked that up on the lexicam Sage oh, Mud. um all right cool um do you guys want to stop there and head on over to guy Rand Or do you guys got further actually thoughts? Uh, it's not
2: looking good over here in Akshi. No. Um, let's see how that Gyronite Crusade is doing. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure much better, right? I'm sure it's going to go way, way better. Yeah, I mean, worse. Yeah. yeah, Trug was
1: standing in the way of the Gyrinite or the Gyronite Crusade, but now he's over doing this flame stuff. So like, they should be totally fine. Like oh, wow. the big yeah, great. guy, right? he was the alpha
0: predator there, right? Yeah, I think that's yeah. probably true. Um, so uh, we kind of described the the ethos, the mentality of the Axian genres, like, and how they were going to go about doing their crusade. Uh, does the Gyran crusade, does it look any different, um, than the action one?
1: Yes. I think it looks, uh, pretty, pretty more life magic focused. Um, they're continuing this theme of talking about these jade priests and this, uh, um, life magic being more, um, helping to run everything going on. Um, as opposed to what they talked about with Hammerhall, actually, they're like, "Oh, we're building armor, and we're you know building steam tanks." And Hammerhall Gira, they're like, "Oh, we're we're growing crops to make sure you have enough food to eat, right?" Like it, it's a little bit more considered, not a little bit more; it's a lot more considered. Um, yeah. It's a lot more intentional uh, in preparation, um, and. But they also seem to be focusing a lot more on the Whittler Corps yeah. and on other aspects of the Cities of Sigmar Force that are not particularly represented in Hammerhall Akshi forces so far.
3: Yeah, and they spend a lot of time talking about the amount of people they can bring to bear. Yeah. So like, they could launch an entire crusade and then still keep people behind to defend the city, which no. is a pretty smart idea. Impossible. Um, and they touched on this in the previous book of like all of the settlements around Hammerhall Gyra basically had to flee because of Nurgle and the Flesh Eater Courts. So we also kind of, it's not just, oh, and they have infinite people. We know where these people are coming from and they're the same people that want to go back out there to reclaim their lands. Um, and then another huge thing that separates them is they actually have Stormcast with them. Specifically, uh, it's the Hallowed Knights, but it is the Redeemed, led by Knight Venator Tornus. Awesome.
0: I love that they're still talking about this guy, and like, yeah. he's probably due for a model, too. And actually, despite the jokes that we were making previously, like, here's a named dude who does not have a model that, like, I don't... He keeps coming back, right? So he... he uh i don't know that he's ever died even that i, I mean since he's been I mean, he's torched. become a stormcast yeah i know i mean since then though um i guess you can't die right that's the whole point um but still like there are stories where stormcast don't make it um but i think he keeps uh trucking along so more tornus please yeah, yeah for
1: for listeners that may not know like tornus has was this bit character almost um way back in the beginning of aos is he Tor glug yeah, he was oh, Thorglug and then he became Tornus in a Black Library novel, I think. And then he just yeah. kind of picked up steam and just started going forward. And now he's in charge of, like, functionally... I know this doesn't actually work with the way Stormcast organized, but he's functionally in charge of his own chamber of Stormcast yeah. that are all also redeemed, right? So, basically, we've got these reformed criminals going out and like really dealing out some rough justice here. So, super awesome to see him again and to see him like super engaged with the narrative.
2: Yeah, he's there and I think the the leader of the crusade is named as Marshal Acilla Thorian. Yep. Um, who's supposed to be known for being like very para- pragmatic and also very like in touch with the like the wilds of Guyran. Although we'll say a mark against
3: this crusade, no named character, like no no characters <laughs> with models. Yeah. Um, uh oh! Um, if only there was a named Hollowed Knight model that could appear at some point in the story. I that feel like it would really face. flesh it out. We'll see if there is, and we'll see if that helps. Um, Are there named?
0: Ha- <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Also, I think Tornus becomes Tornus in a campaign book. I don't know if he gets turned in, in a black library.
2: I think it's a, a uh, no, now. I think it's a, um, I
0: don't know. I don't know. If I, well, it's, I don't know when the smiting actually happens. I want to say it was in God Beast. I, I looked it up because I couldn't remember. And this according to the lexicon. But at any rate, um, yeah. it's as if anybody was going to ever write us in a correction. <laughs> like They would even like, <laughs> dream of it. Um, like they would have to email us that. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, on our Discord. True, true. Um, so uh, this crusade is going north, right? And they're heading; they're going to go through some narrow passageway into, you know, Nurgle held, held land, so that the yeah, the next some Nurgle yeah. held land, so that they can reestablish, um, you know, outpost in a city and blah blah blah, yada yada yada. Um, so uh, they set off. Um, what are some of their uh, initial adversaries? Or man, just the weather.
2: So they have a they. Like the Actian Crusade, they have like a first kind of starter battle, um, and this takes place in the Moshhorn Fens, and it's against Nurgle. As you often, as is often the case in Gairan, as you're dealing with Nurgle, and it's a gross swamp, and it's wet because of the the rain. Battle is still ongoing, um, and the the have to face off against you know a bunch of. Uh, Maggotkin, uh, the, the 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 Blight Kings, the the guys that ride the bugs, and there's even a great unclean one named Throplax, um, who is real g- gross. Is great unto and it, apparently they shoot it with a bunch of cannons, and they just it just gets absorbed into its flesh. Um, but um, Tornus uh, comes through as our most famous guy um and shoots the great unclean one through the armpit into its gross heart heart and it, he kind of shrivels up like an apple and then they they win the battle
0: and hey, what is it wasn't his heart like under his arm or something stupid like not. I, well, I think they went through the armpit. Oh, is that what it was yeah. Okay. yeah gotcha i just took it as like his heart was under his armpit i hear wearing uh, your heart on your sleeve but this is ridiculous um but okay <laughs> still but all right Mission accomplished. Nurgle defeated smooth sailing, uh, from here on out.
3: Um, Yeah. interesting is that we have a named Nurgle character from the first book who was not featured in this battle. Cause this is, you just, they kill the first obstacle in front of them and they move on. So they're not going to put him there.
0: Yeah. If Rodigus was here, this crusade would be over. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Because he's got a name, um, or a model. I mean, they all have names. Um, so they the carry on. I think it's around this time where they decide that, like, oh, we should probably stop at Fort Gardas. Like, oof, we need to, it's on, it's like, but it's presumably on their way. Um, and they already have a Hollow night contingent with them. Uh, maybe Gardas is in, maybe they can check in with them, see what's what. Um, so I believe they're like going to try to head in that direction.
3: Yeah, and they definitely want to go through the grasslands um, because they don't want to have to deal with the trees and getting slowed down in that wooded area. Um because that's you know where the Nurgle and the pestilence tend to live and marching on open ground is a lot easier. Yeah, correct.
1: Especially when it's all soggy and messy, you know, because
2: of all the rain. You don't want to yeah. be in the woods. Exactly. And and also the that particular forest is called the Grim Bark, which is a dumb name. Um but you
1: but don't want to be in it. Oh okay, yeah, come on. It's, it's, a, it's fun. <laughs> Not the grim dark, the
2: grim bark. Yeah,
3: no, uh, I got, yeah. you. It's got way it. It's <laughs> so <laughs>
2: Um yeah, and it's it's known for being a,
0: not a good forest to go through. Some forests yeah. totally great, awesome, in fact. But this forest, no good, no bueno. Um, so uh, they're like, all right, well, we have our our heading. We know where we're headed um, yeah. onwards. Let's go. Wait, hold up. What's that sound? Uh, they hear the thunder of. <laughs> that's, that was more like a hoof beat. that doesn't count. Um, but they Don't you hear, literally have a thunder sound effect. Um, and they do have hooves. hooves, and they do, I suppose, hooves. But do, do they like gallop like this, though? Um, That's a good but, question. <laughs> uh, the audience should have asked us that question and then we can answer it. Um, but uh, they hear the a thunder of hooves um, bearing down on them. Um, and it's oh no, a bunch of orcs on pigs. Um, I hope you guys hope listeners you weren't tired of iron jaws because iron jaws are back, but these are these are different iron jaws, better iron jaws, new iron jaws.
3: Um, what do we got? Um it, it's also another example of one of the main <laughs> fights of one of these crusades came from a different realm. They just wandered through a realm yeah. gate in, Ga- in Gur and then found themselves in front of the crusade and like, oh, let's, you know, crump those guys. Wherever the riders need the bad guys to be, that's where
0: they shall be. Um, well,
2: they they had been running around for a while in Gairan until they found the the, the Dawnbringer crusade. Yeah. They were getting restless, and they had actually ditched half of their wah mm-hmm. um, because the the pig guy, the pig orcs were, were too well one, they run too fast, and they were getting too um, frustrated by not finding a good enough battle. Yeah, um, yeah. And they run headfirst
0: into our into our dawn crusade. So how's it go? I mean, it's two new, I guess, armies or you know, groups made up of new models. Uh, so like. An unstoppable uh, force meets a movable object. Uh, how does it shake out?
2: So this this force is led by Tusk Boss Kazog Horn Splitter. Um, and initially, they just smashed through the Dawnbringers. Like, they form up into a shield wall, but it wasn't enough. These pigs are too big, and they just smash through. Um, so it's looking really bad. Um, but then they come up with a new tactic, which is just like... Um, like kind of a matador style uh move yeah, where they yeah. just kind of get out of the way and then the pigs kind of keep going um and then tornus comes in with his uh, with his prosecutor brethren so those are the stormcast with wings and they kind of just lead the the pigs away and yeah
0: that, that was it. that's it yeah um it was cool it's like the orcs couldn't like direct their pigs it's not maybe i'm adding more than what was in the book, but it seemed like the, they couldn't steer their pigs away from the yeah. flying prosecutors. And so they just like ended up chasing them, even though they didn't necessarily want to, but so I bet you no. down, they did. Um,
3: they, they really, they very much like, that's exactly like how it's covered. Like he even says like Horn split is like yelling. He's like, no, they're going that way. Come on. They're going that way. But he can't do anything about it. <laughs> yeah. And he just has to watch them just watch the Dawn bringers just kind of walk away. <laughs> I
1: have to say that like this book did a really good job of making battles that I could see in my head. Yeah. Sometimes it's really hard for me to like envision what they're writing on the page in my mind's eye. But for this one, it was super like, I was like, oh, I get this. Like it was um, for the, the, um, the action crusade as well. I was like, oh, I understand how this battle is working. I understand how this is laid out. So I thought I really appreciated that. And this one also, I was like, oh, I get it. Basically, is running battle and and they're chasing them down. So I, I thought that was cool and a lot more interesting than
0: two forces fight up. One force leaves. Are right? Our dawn bringers. They see the pigs go riding off and you know chasing prosecutors. They have a moment where they have to decide what they're going to do next. Then right, like so, do they stay out in this open ground where they wanted to be, or but also where they could get charged by pigs at any moment, or do they have to turn and head into the woods, the very place they did not want to go, but perhaps is the lesser of two evils.
3: Um, What do they decide? Where do they go? They go lesser of two evils, which is, it's interesting because it makes a point at the beginning of this crusade to say like, oh, she listens to her advisors, listens to her scout. She's very in tune with the area. But then it's like when talking about the Grimbark, she's like, well, hopefully those are all just fairy tales that I've heard growing up. Like it's, it can't be that bad. Right. Who are like the, these people? Oh it's my like God. the moment she lapses, and like, yeah, you know what? Let's not trust the scouts. They're exaggerating.
0: Well, she didn't really have much of a choice. She just had yeah, to get away from the open. Yeah. Field, the pigs were going to come back. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I'm fine that she did it. I'm not fine with her being like, those are probably fairy tales. Like I'm, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm okay that she had to do it. I'm not okay with why she chose. Well, no, I guess even the why is fine. But like that, that little line this this book seems to me full of people who, everyone should know better. Like it's so like on its face. Anyways, I'm not going to get mad at these fictional characters who, whose plot have been written for them so that they can deliver, you know, a, a storyline, but still be better. I should lead a crusade. You know what? All right, let's okay. I'll do it. Um, are you going to be a, I, gonna have, have a model or are you just going to be a name? Oh, I better have, I better have a model or I'm not going to do it. Uh, anyways. Uh, so they decided to take to the trees, man. Um, but well, we can pause there. I'll ask, do you have more crusade thoughts or should we switch the camera?
3: Um, no, they really don't focus on this crusade as much and like any of the interpersonal stuff as much as they did with the action crusade because there are more points of view and more like armies and groups that are kind of taking place. So it, it shifts the focus very quickly to, to some of the other threats. Sure, sure, sure. If we're going to shift focus
0: allow me to ask a question. Hey, listeners, I will, we'll do this one quick. We're in the middle of it. so You want to ask a question, here's what you do. You got to hang out in the Discord uh, server all the time. It's www.themoralworlds.com slash Discord. You hang out there. I ask if you have any questions, you ask me a question, it gets on the show. Quick and easy. Done and done. Um, just like our friend and patron of the show, Mealhern, they ask, what's King Broad up to? King Broad, where's this coming from, man? We're talking about, we're talking about iron jaws. We're talking about trugs. We're talking about Dawnbringers. What makes you think that King Broad has anything to do with? Oh, actually, he's got a whole page right here. Oh, <laughs> what do you know? Uh, yeah, King Broad is up to some stuff. He's stomping around in Gyran. What's uh, the big boy doing these days?
3: You guys- he is avenging the death of Bayamot. Um, he some backstory that they provide in the book for those who hadn't read like the new Sons of Bayamot battle tome is King Brod uh, is a massive mega gargant, king of the mega gargants. And he worked with the Stormcast to try to prevent chaos from corrupting Bayamot himself. And then he just kind of watched as the Stormcast cast murked him <laughs> uh, and killed him in front of him. And he saw himself as, No, he worships Vaiman. He's the father of all Gargans. He's a god beast. He's very much a religious figure. So here we have a mega Gargan who actually understands religious scripture, which is as ridiculous as a (laughs) Traga who understands magic. (laughs) Um, And so he's just in Gairan, smashing settlements, smashing cities, and watching the refugees head towards Fort Gardas. And he's just allowing it to happen because then they're all going to be in one spot for him to smash later on. True. Too true. Uh did he have a particular vendetta against Fort Gardas specific? He
1: had a particular vendetta against um the hallowed knights, I believe. Oh, are they the ones who killed
3: Bayamot? That was they my understanding. There. That w- w- the way I read it,
2: yes. <laughs> they were, no, they weren't they weren't the ones, but they were there.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. It was the Celestine Prime who did it. Okay.
1: But he was wearing Storms wasn't he wearing Hallowed Knight colored armor at that point? Yeah. Because that's one of those things, right?
3: yeah he changes his armor to whoever he's fighting alongside at the time or whoever he's fighting alongside sees him in the color of their armor I'm not Ooh, sure in the specifics maybe, hard, hard to know maybe the I'm things. digging too deep here sure but I'm they were there they were fighting alongside King Broad when Bayamot died by stormcast
0: gotcha. I was there the day Bayamot died. What Grodd says he's, he's got Fort Gardas in his sights, he's letting the humans run. Uh, he's, he's tramps on a, a, a round guy ran all around Fort Gardas. People are fleeing to Fort Gardas. He's gonna let everybody go there so that, like you just said, they're all in one place so that he'd be nice and squishy when he steps on it. These walls are our sacred shield, apparently. Yeah,
3: um, I was just gonna say, and you know, Fort Gardas is named after a great storm cast hero, uh, very important place so obviously only gardas steel soul himself can be leading the defense and that is our named Hollowed Knight model he's yeah. one of the few like stormcast heroes who has both his own model and his own unique rules instead of just saying oh yeah use this as a night quester. sure yeah.
0: Does vandas you don't have... know who he is he's the Superman landing pose yeah mm-hmm.
3: the cool hammer cloak I yeah. guess a lot of them have the hammer cloak um does vandas have his own rules too he I think he did yeah actually I was wrong there's a lot of them that have their own rules. Right. But probably, they probably. Yes. Yeah. Nice. But there are a lot of like just Ny- named night questers that you oh, use their warship yeah, yeah. for. True true, too, true. Um so people are filing
0: into Fort, Fort Gardas and Gardas he's a he's a feel he's a feeler he he's got deep emotions he 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 feels pain for these uh, for these human folks he was a healer in a past life and he hates to see you know those afflicted by plague or you know these refugees um, fleeing uh, the wilds of Gairan um, and also he um, sees that like this contingent of um Karadrin are also uh, fleeing into the fort as well and they were out they were serving as mercenaries like they were i think they were guns grunt Thunderers or something like that. Yep. Um, they were yep. mercenaries out there, and their their ship was smashed to bits. And so they're here to, you know, um, uh, I guess t- take up residence in Fort Gardas as well. Uh, everybody fleeing the um, the death and destruction out in Gairan. Mostly um, just the destruction. There weren't any death forces in this army. In this. That's possible. probably true, especially in the realm of life. L- very less likely to be around. Um, I,
1: I there was a little piece here that I thought was really interesting where. Gardas is like embarrassed that this city is named after him. Yep. Like he basically is like old enough to watch this like hero worship erupt. And he's just like, I'm not super comfortable with it, but like, it I guess it is what it is at this point. Right. Like he, he's functionally becoming a demigod. Right. And, uh, but he's still there and he's like, but like, I'm just a person. Like I, I have problems and like, Etc. But I guess I need to be the person that they want me to be, right? Like this is—it's kind of a fun plot thread um, through this part.
0: I feel like yeah. we haven't had a book in Gardas' head in a while, but I feel like we're overdue. I think we need to get back into uh, a Gardas POV because I feel like he's got a very unique Stormcast perspective yeah.
3: out there. He always shows up in these big events because he was also in Broken Realms a few times.
0: Yeah, true. Did he? Did he die at the end of Broken? I can't remember.
3: He with. died in the middle of
0: Broken Rock. <laughs> you know, the best thing. <laughs> oh, he
2: yeah, needed to die to go back to Azir, right? Yeah, yeah so he, he could talk yeah. to Croak. Yeah, he talked to Croak. He had that whole like subplot. I think he saves Vindicarium. Yeah,
3: yeah. He dies in Gai'ran so he can go protect Vindicarium. Sure,
0: and he needed to die in a place where the skies weren't bad so that he he could you know be yeah. enforced i don't think uh, the skies were bad yet that's what i'm saying that like he needed to right. die in a time and place before the skies got bad so that he, um oh. and now it's fine the skies are cool and guy ran yeah, we don't need we don't talk about the skies anymore <laughs> you <Yeah. laughs>
3: no, they're they're bad when they need to be
0: yeah and they're not bad when they're not bad um yeah. so at any rate uh refugees fl- f- fleeing into fort gardus. gardus is like what are we gonna do about this what, what what do we do we don't find out for a little bit um because we're gonna switch perspectives i think again um We've talked about the Crusades. We've talked about King Broad. Let's go back to the orcs. These uh, chasing their chasing these uh, winged Stormcast through the woods. They lose them, obviously, because if Stormcast doesn't want to get caught, he ain't gonna be. Um, and uh, they're they're pretty pretty upset about it. The orcs go smashing through that grim dark forest, causing just destruction, not death and destruction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what? Now another faction comes into play because they then end up taking off. Um, what's her? dricha? And her mean Sylvaneth. Not the nice ones, the mean ones. Um, the outcasts. The outcasts, I yeah. See, yeah, I guess. I mean, maybe <laughs> hey, if you yeah. weren't so mean, you wouldn't be <laughs> <guess>. hey, Yeah, <laughs> they, could, they should just shake it like a Polaroid picture. Um, but uh, they don't, so they, they've lost their quarry. They don't know what to do. Hornsplit is pretty upset, but what does he do?
3: They just see the massive footprints, and so they go chasing oh. after it. And then they come upon King Broad. And they're worried that King Brod is going to stomp them, and then like Zogrock just like appears behind King Brod's legs, like Nah, man, we're already cool, like we're already good with them. Come join us. Nice, perfect. Um, point is,
0: is when you join Gargants and Oryx together, you're in for a smashing good time. I think um, <laughs> we're not quite there yet. They have to. They have. They, they're teasing this destruction of Fort but it doesn't. We, we're going to shift perspectives yet one more time. Um, and turns out the Sylvanath are pretty ticked about, uh, people traipsing through their woods and they're going to take it out on whoever they see, um, first. And as we had mentioned before, the crusade has, has stepped foot into their woods and they've got a target painted on their back. Church is pretty upset. She's just, she was just looking for a reason. Um, and it seems as if they're going to, you know, just fall upon our, our cities. Uh, our donors and, uh, and the crusade almost as if before it gets started. That's not true. They've been doing this for a while. Um, Where do we go from here? Is it a bloodbath? Uh,
3: No, basically. uh, I mean, there is some blood. It definitely, there are soldiers who are just getting picked off from the sides of the caravans. um, And they all start getting ready to fight and to just tear each other apart. But then you've got one of the, the flutist Sylvaneth show up, Basically telling Drisha that she needs to cool it. The Ever Queens gave these guys permission to be here. They're not the ones who did all this damage. And that they she needs to kind of follow fall in line of what Alariel wants, which is to help these Crusaders get to where they're going. When has Dricha ever listened to Ilariel, though?
0: I'm so, I was surprised that she, like, because so, spoiler alert, she's like, yeah, cool, fine.
1: I think it was specifically mentioned because it is a specific message for her from Ilariel. Yeah. yeah. Okay. As opposed to just being like, oh, I, you know, I'm from the Dreadwood and I say Ilariel says this, right? It was a specific marcher because the Luke guys are specifically the messengers of Ilariel. Um, of yeah. But, um,
3: and so Drisha like does not agree with it right away. She's like, yeah. "Well, you know what matters a dozen of their lives, a hundred, yada yada. Let's just kill them and then kill the sons of Bayamot and the I can't think of the name, but the 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 Fae Piper basically says, yeah, but if you attack them as they're attacking Fort Gardas, it will be easier.'" And then that kind of gets her to fall in line. She's like, oh, nice, easy. I'm I'm
0: done with that. Um, what are they called?" Warsong Revenant. Warsong Revenant. You've got it.
2: And this one specifically, his name is Tethamir
0: of the White Sapling. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I like that. So, that's so cool. Real, Very fancy name. All right. So uh, basically a stay of execution for our uh, Dawnbringers. Uh, I think all of, all of our order friends agree that Fort Gardas needs to be saved, and they will do what they can to, um, I don't know, defend against the combined destruction forces. So we've got a little bit of a grand alliance off here uh, to some degree. Uh, order v. Destruction, the way it was intended. And it's convenient because, you know, Hammerhall Ghira can use Sylvaneth
1: as allies, and turns out they're going to use them in this campaign book as well. What? You're trying,
0: you're trying to tell me my fiction is like my game, and my game is like my fiction? Yes. Madness. Yeah, that's insane. That's ludicrous. Um, and I already all right.
1: did... Outcast. I can't do ludicrous. Too. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> move. Um. Trying to think of other ludicrous. Uh, so move. Joe Birch. Get sea. out the way. Get out the um, way. Birch. Get out the way. True. All right. So, uh, this all is the preamble to the main event, which is the siege, if you want to call it that, of uh Fort Gardus. Someone walk me through it. I get. I get. I get so turned around. I get so confused. Um. How, uh, step by step me how's
2: it go uh okay let me''ll I'll, I'll, I'll take a start on it um so the status quo is the sons of Bihemont and the iron draws arrive but there is a magical force field called the Sh- saints Shroud, which is generated by holy relics from within the fort um that I don't know provide a magical and physical barrier Both, kind of. oh, yeah and Uh, The the forces of destruction can't quite penetrate it. Um, They chuck some boulders generally at the fort, but it doesn't, you know, it kills some people, but doesn't, you know, the the fort is holding. Um, uh, And then, uh, Broad, uh, a few things happen. One is all of the Sons of Behemoth start to stomp. And that seems to weaken the shield significantly because they unify mm-hmm. their stomps, and that will does damage to the whole thing all at once. And it pulls in some; it's like it becomes magical in nature. The stomping yeah. uh, that is a further assault, and then the pigs start all charging at the same time, um, and uh, led by the Tusca boss. Um, And they charge right down the main gate. And then right before they hit, they get powered up by um, our named uh, Iron Jaws character. Zog
0: Rock Anvil Smasher.
2: Yeah, Anvil Smasher. He, like, turns the lead pig into, like, a rocket, um, like a wah rocket. And then that's and then all of that together smashes open the front gate and then it's all then it's chaos. Like there's pigs inside the building. Um, the, uh, the the sons of Beemot can start uh, striding around and through and they're like eating people and uh, smushing stuff. And then it's like a full it's really bad.
3: Um, Pandemonium. So I really love like the mega gargans like stopping their feet and clapping their hands because it's really a proclamation that you know we will we will rock <laughs> and rocking they were
0: yeah you know what you know I think Gordrock should have tried this at Excelsis I feel like we right? we literally were just having an orc charge at a at a gate scene it seems like yesterday um, but here we are again and this one worked better so forget your magic battering rams. Just make a pig rocket
3: and you'll be sick. I was just saying one cool thing is like this like it's kind of one of the only things that Zog Rock Anvil Smasher does, which pretty sure is a listener question from Patron Drake, which is does the new Iron Jaw hero, you know, Zog Rock Anvil Smasher have any narrative presence? Sorta. Um got it. He he helped he already made the deal between the Iron Jaws and the Mega Guardians before the rest of the Iron Jaws showed up. And then he provided this ward breaking ability to the iron jaws, which is like the one thing he does. We don't get into the rules too much, but on his war scroll, all he does is help other units break wards. Oh, and so here he is doing that on a much larger scale. Interesting. Um, All right. That's
0: Um, neat. So uh, it's gone wild inside of Fort Gardas. Um, Like we said, they're, they're within the enemies in the walls, um, within the walls, uh, stomping and pigging left and right. Um, Is this, well, it is eventually, Uh, is this, is this the end? Is, is there, is there no, is there no one left to defend this uh, city?
2: Not yet. Now we have the, the traditional Warhammer battle and then like other guys show up. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is when our United Sylvaneth daughters force arrives Um, including a named character uh, as we keep track um, because Drycha's there and she's a character with her own model. Um, So you're like, well, maybe they do have a shot. Um, So they show up, uh, but quickly they realize it's hopeless. So there's no point um, because the the battle's already lost and that becomes pretty apparent. Um, And it's just about getting people out, um, particularly the refugees
0: that have all taken up uh, within the basilica of martyrs um there's like a secret exit right in the basilica or something like that but in in order to draw um the attention of king Bro- let's say King broad specifically to say nothing of the rest of his army um, Gardas is going to take it upon himself to uh, distract the king um so that you know he's gonna selflessly uh, distract them so that the refugees can flee which is a very similar i mean kind of a similar scene that we were seeing a truce break to some element. Um and I don't is it between him and like Admiral Krufen uh and the Grunstruck Marines? They're also they they would swore an oath to guard us to sort of stay to the last uh and um provide you know cover fire um for the
3: yeah I was gonna say it's interesting because in the action crusade, like we lose a lot of the actual crusaders to their last stand to buy time. Luckily for the Gyranian Crusade, the people who are buying them time weren't in their crusade it's like the hallowed knights of fort Gardas and these new Garadron who they probably didn't even know were there in the first place yeah extra because tornus and the redeemed they send message to marshall thorian to like hey get out we're gonna leave we're gonna head out of here and continue marching
1: yeah i have to say this moment is one of my favorite in the book because it has one of my favorite pieces of artwork that i've seen in the <laughs> Uh, There is a a painting of Gardas launching himself off of the city wall at King Broad, and it is amazing. I really hope that we see somebody do that for Golden Demon.
0: Presumably after he challenges King Broad and names him a fool and a coward. I can't have a hard time picturing Gardas using those words, but I love it that he did. Good job, man. Um, Call him as you see him. Uh, so it's between this jump, uh, the Admiral and his sharpshooters are um, leasing a flurry of missiles uh, at the Mega Gargant, and he flinches and he shields his face. And it's then when Gardas jumps up and swings at him. But what happens? I don't want to be the one. It's, oh.
2: I mean, he, yeah, he, uh, he jumps and he smashes him right in the face and knocks him to over. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, King Broad catches him and squeezes him, and then he pops into a lightning bolt. Boom, um, and then yeah. the battle's over. Um, refugees escape. Uh, Fort Gardas falls. King Broad is fine, um, uh, presumably. Um, and uh, yeah, this is another another win for
0: destruction, another loss for our, our Dawnbringer. I yeah. don't. I want someone to tell me. right in and tell me how many times Gardas has now been reforged because it's getting up there. <laughs> I mean, it's it's you can still count them on one hand. I'm pretty sure, but it's more than once. Um, yeah. Cause then when he died, one of the first times is where he got his weird light that he has, like that. He just like is bright now. Um, I wonder if that's still true. Pour one out for poor, for poor one out for our, our silver boy uh, off to greener pastures. Uh, and that is, I guess the end of the guy Ran story. Do you guys have any other final thoughts? Did we miss anything?
2: Yeah. The, the, the guy Ran crusade escapes. They like they bug out just like the action crusade True. does, like with the refugees, with a bunch of um, hollowed knights, both the ones that were part of their crusade and the the few folks that survived the the fall of Fort Gardas. Um, and they keep trugging, uh, trudging <laughs> north. Not
0: trugging. Oh, hopefully. <laughs>
3: hopefully. Yeah.
0: I guess. Um, right. He gets back home and he's like, who are these crusaders? So yeah, that's an, another bastion of order
2: kind of wiped from the map. Sure. It's yeah. Card. It's been on there for a while.
0: It's been there for a bit too. Agreed. All right, cool. Um, I've got a couple of questions that people had about the, the plot based stuff. We might as well get into them while we're here. Um, yeah. Nervous. Well, i nervous. wanted to ask, uh, compared to the previous book, what's the sense of plot progression and development we get? I'm trying to think how to answer it here. Um, We'd, I guess we had alluded to it initially. Like, do we think this is a plot of your book?
3: So there's definitely like m- there's more plot than the prologue. You're still not getting as much plot as something like Broken Realms. But here we do have more known characters of the mortal realms featuring in these stories, even if they're not like the main show. Like, oh, cool. Gardas is here. And goodbye, Gardas. Oh, is here. Bye, Dredja. Talia's here. Bye, Talia. Like, they 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 come and go, but it's nice just kind of seeing them be woven into the story a bit. Um we're gonna talk about it more later on, I would say, but there is like a section that has like other plot threads not directly connected to these crusades that do kind of get moved forward. And I think that's where the big like quote unquote global scale kind of happens yeah true true uh,
2: def- definitely more stuff happens in this book than the previous book um yeah. but i agree that it's it doesn't have the same kind of meta ramification that any broken realms book but it, it's i think it's supposed to have a tighter yeah. focus yeah um seems so we, cool. we know what's going on with the drawn bringers and it's not going good yeah um and we've, we made a lot of progress that way well, and I, I think the main
1: reason that I got for that was because this is very much a destruction focused book. Yeah. Right. And and Broken Realms is very much an order focused book. So even though we're really focusing on the Dawnbringer Crusades, a lot of the actual impetus is coming from destruction. And yeah. you're really not going to be discussing, like, you know, motivations and stuff like that for destruction, besides, oh, yeah, yeah you killed my father. I'm gonna come kill you, right? Or I have a headache. Um, so, but <laughs> yeah, I, I think we might see some more of that going forward. Though yep. um, we might see some more order yeah. stuff. I would think.
3: Yeah. What is interesting is we do have like order factions that appear, and I don't think they're going to appear later on. But they didn't really get anything from this book. Like all the destruction factions we see, the Iron Jaws and the Gloomspike gets they get new models and like new name characters, Mm -hmm. but like the KO don't get new models. They get some cool new rules. Uh, the Sylvaneth get nothing. They like, Hey, we're here. And then now they're gone. And I don't know if that counts as like their one mandated appearance and we'll never see them again. Like the flesh eater courts. I think it could be. I think, I mean,
0: I think you see that a lot, right? Like in these campaign stretches, they try to give everybody a little bit of a spotlight. And obviously the size of the spotlight varies, uh, faction by faction as to who's getting new stuff or what have you. So I wouldn't be surprised if this was the only Sylvaneth view that we got, yeah. um, which would also be a bummer, but so be it.
3: Yeah. It's just weird. Cause it's there. Like it's the Sylvaneth realm that we're in right now. It's, it's everybody's uh,
2: realm. That's Nurgle's yeah. realm.
3: <laughs> True.
2: <laughs> I, I also think we'll see flesh eater courts again. I think as, as of oh, yeah. the teases, we've gotten out of this book and maybe we'll get to that. Like, as far as big bads, um, I think the yep. Lush Courts could rear their head again.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask another question. Patron of the show, Armar Enthusiast7. Um, still hunting down one through six, though. We'll get them. Um, as the Crusades <laughs> move to either their success or failure, what do you think the ramifications of each will be? Uh, could there be some sort of transformation for either or both upon the end of the Crusade? I don't know. The sky's the limit. It could be anything at this point. Um, I think we're way too early, at least for me, in in the crusade itself, to have any glimpse of what it'll end up being. Um, I'm not even yeah. sure what I know what success
3: looks like anymore. Um, right. What do you? I think? I will say it's incredibly hard to tell for the Gyranian crusade because we didn't get any of those like inner crusade politics or focus mm-hmm. on those characters. But for the Ashian one, we are seeing like, oh, they. When they launched the crusade, it talked about all of their artillery, the new steel helms, the cavaliers that they had, and how it's very much like this industrial army. And now it's mostly going to be Pontifex Sinestra leading a more religious crusade. And so I think that ramification is going to be like how this crusade conducts itself moving forward is going to be different from how they initially hoped they were going to conduct themselves. And as far as like a transformation goes for the Gairan
0: one, maybe that one becomes more of a, like a a ragtag combination of like things as opposed to set out as sort of a, a, in some ways, a unified front, right? But like now that they've lost and gained, like that, it becomes a patchwork of, of, you know, disparate factions. And maybe that theme carry, I don't know, but maybe that theme carries on going forward, right? And it's sort of the found allies along the way. And like a crusade can be made up of a bunch of different things. It doesn't always have to be just like your classic, like Cities of Sigmar. Um, is one way it could go? I wonder. Yeah. Paver and Paul got thoughts?
2: Yeah, I'm really, I'm really not sure what will, what the results of these crusades will be. I don't even know what I want to happen. That's kind um, of what I meant. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of already. There's lots of cities in Guyran and Akshi Um. But each one has one less now. Yeah. Oh well, well, we didn't lose any like big city. We just we lost a lot
0: of uh, small small map markers. I'll ask this then, and this is a question from our more enthusiasts. Uh, they want to know, do we have an updated prediction on which crusade we think is going to succeed or will fail? I think we had dinner predictions last time. I can't even remember what my answer was for the first time. But any updated predictions, has anybody changed their mind as to which one they think will succeed or?
3: I forget what I had said, but like I know I had said it's going to flip flop between books and then it's going to land on one at the very end. I am now convinced that because Akshi is on the back foot so much and they've suffered so many losses that they have to succeed. They have to. There's no with, other choice. Tal- Talia's going to come over the hill at the last moment in the final fight and save the city. And I think that Gairan is going to become a successful city of flesh eater courts. I'm still going to go out there and say it. <laughs> Uh, Pavin, you got a prediction, an
0: updated prediction on who's going to make it or not? That, no, what Will says feels right. Yeah, I, <laughs> like, I
2: don't disagree. Also, th- there's no more named characters than that. Uh, <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> there's Tornis. He might get a model <laughs> next book. Yeah, oh model unmodeled tortoise.
2: Yeah, That'd be cool. Yeah. The problem is uh, Stormcast don't have plot armor because they can die in the coming up.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, that is plot ar- its own plot armor, kind of, but um, that's yeah. true. Yeah. True. Paul, sure. do you have an updated uh, who's going to succeed or fail prediction?
1: Not really. I mean, I want actually to fail because I want Trug to be amazing. That's about all. <laughs> I, right. I wouldn't like, be surprised if we never
0: look. see Trug again throughout the rest of this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare! Yeah. I mean, I <laughs> put a dollar literally on painting I'm, the rolls of fat on his body right now. He
0: better show up. The books. So appealing. Um, I forgot to mention actually. Uh, patron of the show drake had asked this question too wanted to know what which, which crusade was going to fail or what have you um i think just because i have to be contrary I, I can see why the action could win but i'll say the guy ran may win just just so we can yeah. see who's right so like from th- this current vantage point i think um especially considering well i know you're right with the flesh eater courts and i'm pretty convinced they're coming too like they'll be they'll then be the newest thing and they'll have to get their win and so like that means that yeah gairan crusade has to fail no no you're right actually it's probably the right answer but I'm not even
3: like gairan right. is in the best spot right now so like if you're following along at home this is the end of the second quarter and they've got more points sure yeah what does that mean for the finale who knows still guessing though yeah still guessing um all right uh
0: more questions from armoire enthusiasts want to know was there any full goth or sergerian sightings don't think so unless you guys know something i do uh didn't show up yep and then uh with the clear foreshadowing and description of trug in the last book do we have any similar portents for upcoming models in this book that's a broad question let's talk about from the plot from the story were there any uh um hints of what future models coming um and then maybe we'll circle back to this question after we get to the end i yeah. covered everything else.
3: Um, yeah, I just said it. I think maybe Tornus. Yeah. Um, but there's no, like, rumors of anything going on. There's no rumors of, like, the next big bad necessarily. Just Tornus as a character. It'd be cool if you got a model. Anything else in, like, the plot in terms of, like, is, uh, the events
0: in this, like, story as a whole that um, hints at anything coming up? I don't have anything else. Uh,
2: they, they, they heavily allude to, like in the final page of the Action Crusade is running into the Bloodbound, um, like the cornate yeah. hordes. Um so it didn't point to it. yeah, I guess later we're gonna talk about if, if anything was anybody specific was talked about. Um but they just mentioned that, you know, that's where they are. They're in corn city now, um in Capillaria. Um so that's probably who they're gonna have to fight next.
0: Yeah. Um all right, we'll keep on keeping on. Um other points of interest Obviously, folks are probably most interested, well, after the story, obviously. Second, mostly interested in the new models and these new things, uh, the new toys that we get. Um, and folks want to know all about them, I'm pretty sure. So let's talk with the big talk about the big guy first, uh, Trug the Trogoth King. I feel like we've covered him quite a bit in terms of how he got into the story, but let's squeeze him for any other things that we might be able to know about him. And to that end, Chris Ling had a lot of hard-hitting questions about Trug the Trogoth King, and so I feel like we should try to answer them if there are answers to be found. Um, so I'm gonna we're gonna I'm gonna uh, fastball these questions out, and we can answer them real quick. Uh, who drew the cave paintings on Trug? Do we know a whole bunch of people?
3: Yeah, right.
1: Like, Basically, yeah, they, they carved it into his flesh while he was sleeping.
3: Yeah, they do reference the people who like may have done some of them, but who built the shrine on top of him. It's called the Androsian uh, civilization. So go. that that's one of the groups has connected, and they are, R.I.P. No longer with us. Sure. That's actually a second question. Who built the device on his back?
0: We're doing oh, good. We have a steady clip. Here we go. Uh, King Trug seems to be an echo of King Throg from the old world. Mm-hmm. Does the book suggest any further parallels between the between them? I have no idea. Does anybody know? No. No. Yeah.
3: Uh, and uh, we yeah. have an idea. No. Wasn't Throg like supposed to be
2: smart? Or a uh, trolls. Yeah. And he's a chaos troll.
3: Yeah. He oh, he, he was an actual ruler of trolls whereas Trug is just called the king because his antlers look like a crown and Bregit is really good at like marketing. He are,
0: yeah.
1: He's yeah. Plus um, uh, Throg uh, is supposed to be back anyway, I think or like huh? that's who Sigvald is going after. He wants to kill him because mm-hmm. uh, he marred his great looks or whatever that's a yeah a big plot thread for sigvald so
3: yeah i know sigvald is hunting down any Trogoth he sees so i wouldn't be surprised Ooh, would if these two have a showdown i that would yeah be people people have been making like oh are we gonna see sigvald versus trug um in this book at all it's like their predictions and no hmm. but maybe down the road it'd be super fun if sigvald is just like yelling at trug Lamenting all of the terrible things the previous troll king had done to him, and Trug just Trug. not caring. Trug, <laughs> yeah. Trug.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, related. In your opinion, is Trug's seven pointed star an homage to Trog? Sounds like we don't think so. <laughs> also, what is this? What is the seven pointed star?
3: So, and on page twenty three, there's like a picture of Trug. And they're just on his arm. You can see it's like a diamond with seven little dashes on
0: it. Oh, yeah, I see that. Okay.
3: Give me one Uh, second. I'll compare it to the model quick. There's also a Skaven marking on his tummy. Yeah, I think it's just graffiti. I think it's just, I guess, who drew these cave drawings on him. The Skaven did one. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'll say that. Or some messed up person who's like, yeah, check this out.
1: I mean, and and not to beat a dead horse here, but um Gross. a lot of the drawings look very similar to the drawings that i've seen on um cragnos right yep. like it, it looks very very similar so mm. yeah not that Kragnos is dead but you know
3: yeah i think that's just their shared language of this is like from the age of myth that uh gw uses like oh cave drawings age of myth well, which is interesting because the age of myth
1: is like the farthest you can get from cave drawings, right? Right. So it, it is. Yeah. We'll see how that develops.
0: Uh, yes. Or they ask, is Trug classified as a Dankhold Trugoth? And if not, what distinguishes them from him? Is he Dankhold?
3: Yeah. it's. Uh, they don't say it here, but he looks like a Dankhold and his war scroll has Dankhold on yeah, it. Yeah, there you go. I think that would be the real uh,
0: connector. Yeah. Um, and then want to know is Trog's trog herd notably larger than other trog herds? I don't. Is it bigger than a bread basket? I'm not sure. It could. It, it's as big as they need to be,
3: right? Like, yeah, because I don't think we see many other like important trog herds. Um. So it's like there's no other trog herd really to compare it to. But I would assume it's larger just because he's the king. Yeah. so He's going to have more.
1: There was one in the Gloomspite Gits battle tome but it's it's hard to know number like age of sigmar is always very nebulous about how many it's an army like a massive army like a small army? it's an army okay so 2000, 2000 point 2000
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. point right <laughs>
3: yeah. all all battles in every book are just at 2000 points yeah well obviously from consistency standpoint
0: how would you know they were balanced otherwise yeah um all right cool <laughs> uh all right so that's the the one standout i guess um name, character Big old centerpiece model. Very interesting. Um, now we got a bunch of new Iron Jaws units. I don't know that we need to talk about every single one of them. So instead, I'll ask you guys if you wanted to pick out your favorites. Or, I mean, you could also talk about the ones you're working on, but you don't have to. You, you, you talk about whatever one floats your boat. Um, what are some fave Iron Jaw, new Iron Jaw
3: units or models yeah. out there? I am going to call it the one I'm working on. Nice. As soon as I get this cap to stop scratching my chair. Cast stretch? Okay. Sure. Um But yeah, the Mogrentas, the huge big pig rigs um i love it just because the way people can ride these things cuz they're massive and in the book they're not controlled really like the most you can do is like tug on their ears to kind of steer them in a certain direction and so in order to ride one of these things uh an ironjaw will ride a regular gorgrenta at it head on crash into it fly through the air and then grab onto it. And it's one of the biggest pieces of entertainment Iron Jaws have to watch these guys go splat against rocks like nine times out of 10. It, it's very orky cause like you've got that 40K like orcs that's like kind of goofy, kind of funny, but the Iron Jaws are very much like brutal and devastating and they're not really a joke in any way. And here we see some of that jokiness come back into the army.
2: I mean the Iron Jaws always look cool. They're a great, uh, a yeah. great faction with a great aesthetic and they've they've never they like they had an initial release with AOS 1 and then they were in an incredibly popular army and they were never expanded. Yeah. And it's yeah. so it's great to see an expansion. They're replacing the old Black Orc kit, the old board kit with Ard Boys kit with a new new one yeah. uh, that looks really good. Yeah. Um. And they're adding a bunch of characters and a new giant monster kit and a new another
0: round of elite infantry. Um, yeah. It's all really great. Do you want you want to te- you want to tell me about the the weird brute rekkas, the guys that you're working on? Yeah, they're um,
2: they're orcs that have gone a little nuts, and the solution is to nail like crazy masks to their faces, which doesn't. fix them being nuts kind of does um, or they just become a different kind of crazy um, and then they give them these giant like wrecking balls and send them to the front
3: yeah it's a different kind of crazy because they're throwing up green wah vomit and so now they're just crazy and hit things they're no longer puking so (laughs) if your stomach hurts nail a mask to your face and you'll be fine uh, any
0: advice given on the moral realms podcast should not be construed as medical advice and we are not liable for any et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so yeah, those guys are uh, pretty neat. And I do, in some ways I was like, Oh, well you're just, you're, you're stealing the idea from the fanatics, but like, they also look, they look super cool. So I'm like, I, I don't yeah. care that you're stealing the idea from the fanatics. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: And they also have a um, kind of brute slayer um, thing going for the dual yeah. uh, build for that kit. Yeah where if a orc is ever humiliated by losing or getting beat up or something, they uh, they take off their armor and grab the biggest weapon they can find and then go fight like that in order to show how tough they are. Um,
0: and so that's the other thing they do. Don't, don't ever mention to them. Don't ever bring up their loss because they'll, they'll freak out on you. Yeah. yeah. Paul, did you have a favorite uh, new Iron Jaws thing? I mean clonk is pretty awesome yeah
1: <laughs> clonks I mean I, I, I I'm not a huge Iron Jaws uh, guy but I would totally take that squig and add that to my, uh, mm-hmm.
0: my git's army hmm. uh, Actually, speaking of clonk uh, patron of the show Drake was asking were there any wholesome moments with clonk the lovable
3: anvil squig any, any clonk moments not in the story Nope. But in his little unit entry thing, it does mention that he's an amble squig because he's got these hard things growing on his head that give him terrible headaches, and the only way to fix the headaches is to just beat him over the head. So that's how it be- he becomes an amble squig. So really, when Zagroc Amble smashes, smashing him in the head, he's helping him. Yeah. it's his medicine. It's not a an abuse thing. It's a
0: yeah, it's therapy. Um, Neat. Uh, my favorite. Guys, and the and lore isn't what's interesting to me, but just literally having the new Art Boys, I'm so yeah. thrilled because I have a relatively complete Iron Jaws collection, except for the fact that I refused to buy the old Art Boys. And so that's always yeah. been a hole in my collection, but I just wasn't I wasn't mm. going to do it. Um, so now that they've been, I, I mean, I never, I honestly, I never would have believed that they were going to replace that unit. Either I would have thought they would have squatted it or just had it in perpetuity. So um, they're awesome. Uh, the thing about Art Boys is that they aren't as cool as brutes um they're not as you know g- good warriors they haven't proven themselves like the brutes are uh so they are sort of a, a lesser cast or, or yeah. what have you however at this point although the brutes look awesome the Ardboy boys look in my mind Awesomer. so much cooler than point. the brutes do and i'm like oh no this what? is such a, a downgrade i if you get promoted to brutedom
3: you look worse in my mind they might be one of the first armies in aos to do this but i don't think they're going to be the last where they took a unit that existed in Warhammer Fantasy, uh, the Black Orcs. Yeah. They then built a an army and a model line around that aesthetic with the Iron Jaws. And now they're going back to those original models, redoing them in the new aesthetic. Yeah. Um, it's a very cool and interesting. Like, OK, now they're not just redone Warhammer Fantasy models. They are art boys done in the style of how they envisioned Iron Jaws being. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thrilled like I think they look awesome and I'm, I mean, I'm glad
0: that they did it but I' I'm, now like it's almost as if well now you got to upgrade brutes now like and brutes look great <laughs> and they, they fit the theme like they, they, there's nothing wrong with them it's just that in my mind the art boys look so much better and if you want to prove that brutes are better than art boys you have to like turn up the knob do- uh, dial a little bit on them um, but maybe that's just me.
1: So it makes you wonder though what other kits are they gonna just do an upgrade on? Right. Because we do have a decent amount of kits that are
0: older that are in some existing armies. And it's like, oh, well, yeah. We we talk about that a lot in that, like, yeah, what how rare it is for them to upgrade plastics from, you know, Warhammer fantasy. But there's precedent. They do it. It's just not a a super common thing. Um, But yes, I'm always thrilled when they do some Black Coach. Great example. Super cool. Um, Mm -hmm. And I feel like we tried to make a list once and there was some others, but I can't remember what they are. Listeners, you can write. Oh, I mean,
1: spider Riders, Arachnorak, right? Yeah, Those are I, old world kits. Oh yeah, no, I would, uh, yeah. I was thinking one example,
0: examples of plastics that they have upgraded already. Um, yeah. But yeah, they very well could. No, no doubt. Uh, more to come. All right. Any other new unit or model dudes that people want to talk about? All right. Uh, as far as other interesting stuff, guess what? There was a, another storyline. You know how? Hey, listeners, you know how there are like timelines in battle tones. They kind of use that formatting in a little bit to tell us about other events that are happening around the same time of the story that we've been reading, um, to tease or tickle the, tickle the senses, um, that's a weird way to put that, uh, entice us, um, to, you know, think of other story threads that may come to fruition. Um, and there's a couple that we probably want to talk about, maybe even all of them, I guess, um. Does anybody have a favorite of the um, teaser story threads that uh, they are anxiously looking into?
3: Yeah. So I'm going to say, I mean, I have one that's more favorite, but I, I know someone else is going to talk about it. So I'm going to say the wrath of Carthalos. So this ties into the attack on Hammerhall Aksha, the reason Talia Vedra had to leave the crusade. And so we've got, you know, Korn attacking the city and we've got Skaven attacking from inside We've got uh, what is it, Sylar uh attacking everything with their bloodbound horde, and really just tearing up Hammerhall. Tearing up. Uh, but the thing that really is bad is that the Skaven got into um, the Ashen Cloister, which is it's a Stormbolt, right? I think so. It, it's either yeah, the porn Stormbolt known as the Ashen Cloister. Um, this thing has shown up several times. Yep. Um, as just like, we can't let anyone break into this. In the Stormcast Battle Tome, it's one of the stories of Bastion Carthalos, of him and his Stormcast going down in there to deal with a threat and then just coming out covered in ash, saying they don't want to talk about it. In the first Dawnbringer's book, the reason the Fire Slayers needed to kill the Spite is because the stormcasts were too busy defending the ashen cloister. And now it's broken free. Um, and some of the things that are trapped in there are shards of basically a demigod that is like a Lord of flame. I forget his exact name, but it hinted at being related to Hushud and the chaos warden. So this could be a thread that may bring them back. But it also has Skaven, so it could be a thread that may come to Skaven um, later on in a story somewhere. That's a good one. It's maybe one of the more, uh, one that I find most interesting, in fact. Yeah.
0: Um, what other of these story threads uh, do you guys find interesting?
1: Uh, well, for me, it's Corgus Call in Rondel. Remember how you're like, hey, no, no not you but like listener, I remember like why is he talking about Corgus Call? Corgus calls in this book at all? You didn't talk about it at all. The Guess listeners what? texted no. me, asked me that. Yeah, actually, <laughs> we did uh, because Corgus Call um, is talked about specifically in White Dwarf when this whole like Rondo campaign that they've had for the past almost year. And in this little entry, they're like, "Oh yeah, no, this thing totally happened, and this is part of who he is." Oh, by the way, he kind of won. And he disappeared with all of his champions. Mm-hmm. I'm like, something's happening. So, I mean, there's so much going on here. He's been really, really prevalent in the lore. So either we could get a new Corgus Kull model, or we could get a new Corgus Kull Demon Prince, or a Corgus called Bloodthirster. Especially if he disappeared with all of his champions. Yep. like. We could see anything coming from that, from yep. a spawn to a greater demon.
3: Yeah, and he he disappears immediately as, after he asked Corn to recognize him on the path to glory. Yep. Yeah. So it's like, hey, give me stuff, and then he's gone.
0: Sure. And like, because what he was doing, he was he was flooding the rivers of Rondel with gore. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And like it, it was like the flood waters rose, and like, didn't they rise up and like sort of whether they washed him away or what have you? Um, yeah. Like he. he uh,
1: yeah. Off, shuffled from this moral coil. Well his point was to like choke the continent on blood. Yeah. Yep. Right? Like basically infect it. So and he succeeded.
0: Yeah, right? And so like yeah. if it was anybody else it would just be an interesting story but like it was it was him and they made it a point to tell the story in this book so I think like that, they're not just doing it yeah. really nearly that has purpose.
3: Well, and they had planted the seeds and the white dwarf flashpoint Rondel story. And it is in one of the timeline stories at the, it's like the very last one in the corn battle tome of like, Oh, and if you're wondering where Corgus Cole is, he's in Rondel and he wants to kill a continent anyways. And they just kind of brush past it. Yep. Um, you don't have to, but Paven, did
2: you have a favorite? Well, i might as well pick the last one. Um, and this is a it's called Soul Bright's Quest. And uh you might not remember, but in AOS two we launched with the oh what chamber was that? The um Sacrosanct. The Sacrosanct yeah. Chamber. And there was a named character that was, I don't know, ever used, um, named Asteria Soul Bright, uh, which was a Lord Arcanum. Um And she, her deal is trying to, uh, like fix the flaw in the reforging process Mm -hmm. and she's tracking down a lead for a, um, a noble prince of death whose touch could soothe trauma afflicting a mortal soul. And what her, her, she's led to a place called the summer keep. So summer keep summer King, um, and it doesn't go too much further than that, besides that, they go, her and the other Stormcast go to this place and they are being observed uh, with hungry eyes. And, you know, you, you can very much assume that um, it's
0: Flesh Eater Courts. Um, yeah. Especially because so, she rolls up on the coastline, calls Charnel Court. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's another giveaway. Um,
2: so, like, why bring this up except that? you know, it's one of our loose threads is who's the Summer King? What's going to happen there? We know that's in the realm of what is happening with the Gyronite
0: Crusade. Um, so I would, I would call that one of our loose threads. Yeah. Well, and to build off of that, actually, a separate little story in the same area of the book is yet another, I think, hint in that regard, where they talk about this, this vintner in, I think, Hammerhall, um, and how he just went crazy at one point and proceeded to eat His family and all his uh, like his servants and stuff like that. And so they were investigating like why would he do that? This is insane. Mm -hmm. And it turns out he had been what he had been like sent a package or or something um, recently. Trying to remember, it was wine. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, wine uh, mixed with blood. And apparently, some suspect that that had something to do with it. So he he had been given this sent this wine. from uh in fact we don't even know we don't know who it's from or no for his death the vintner is speaking of a coming of a summer king so yet again the summer king um so uh more than one thread um for our our flesh eater court hints um which is very almost a tapestry of clues you might say tapestry a ragged tapestry of clues um all right so those are some hints of what may be coming Sorry, I had to sort of separate it from the question that we had asked previously. Um, Were there any other hints that we missed elsewhere in the book that uh, folks think might allude to future events? Sounds like no. Awesome. Let's keep on going. Uh, We just got a few more listener questions that potentially we might be able to answer quickly, or a lot of them are related. Um, We'll get through that. Uh, So for whatever reason, you people wanted to talk about Grand Alliances and sort of how it relates to destruction, a very hot topic. Uh, I'm going to rattle off a bunch of questions that were related to each other, and you guys can pick what pieces of them you found interesting and want to answer. So, <clears throat> in no particular order, uh, Gork's broken Finger asked, does this series thus far make the forces of destruction seem like an eminent foe uh, on par with chaos? Uh, your dad, Squig, asked, do you think this book, along with the lore development in third edition, give destruction armies and their characters more personality and motivation beyond smash? They can see them compete with the likes of Archeon, Techlist and so on and so forth. Um, well, Or maybe I'll lie. Maybe I'll stop there. Maybe that's yeah. the two questions that go together. We'll pause there, and then we'll ask some more after the fact. So um, is Destruction, has it come into its own? Is it on par with some of the other Grand Alliances out there? What do you guys think?
3: No. Um, <laughs> it's like, do they have a motivation beyond Smash? That's literally their only motivation that we see in the book. Yeah. The only one is like King Broad wants to specifically smash the stormcast, but trug and the iron jaws they're just hitting whatever is in front of them sure sure
0: just not in this book you could argue all right well cragnos
3: is different because
0: he has like a motivating motivating motivation behind his destruction but he ain't here so don't count um uh what do you guys think uh paven paul is, is is destruction better now <laughs> Destruction looks great after this book
2: in that they smash and win and they take things off the map for order. I don't know if they feel like a existential threat, like death did in 2.0 or like chaos does all the time. They just, they don't, they don't, they didn't get a big enough win. Um, yeah. like I, I really feel like they should have smashed Excelsis at the end of last edition. Um, yeah. Uh, but they did. They haven't taken. You know, nobody's knocked down a um, a true city of Sigmar yet, which is what I would want to see. Like if they, if like Broad and Trug team up and like break, like destroy Hammerhall, like that would be like, oh, oh, snap, yeah. You know? um, but give it the, the the realms are huge, and these you know wiping out two da- dots is like cool in a book, but it doesn't make it feel like you know, destruction's going to, like, rule the world. Sure. Paul, what do you
1: think? Um, I'm going to disagree and say that I, I do feel like destruction does feel like a threat now. It's just not a pointed threat. Yeah. It is a blunt, obnoxiously uncontrollable menace, right? And like that. to me, the the way that it's demonstrated is it's not actually through Trug because Trug's cool and Trug's awesome, right? But it's braggart. Like, it's through the manipulation of the little things, right? And I enjoy that quite a bit. Um, the idea that the little thing can make this obnoxious thing happen just because he's annoyed and he's like, hey, I want this thing to wake up, right? And, and to me... Those are the most frustrating threats where you're like, but I, I, I have like, why am I dealing with this right now? Because some stupid guy decided to be loud and obnoxious. This is why my city is being destroyed right now. Right. Everything else has a lot more intent. Right. Why is death killing me? Because it hates me because I'm alive. OK, great. Right. Why is chaos killing me? Because I'm stopping the world from falling into chaos. Why is destruction killing me? because it's dumb and it's decided this is what it's doing today. Right. Woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Guess I'm going to kill a city moving on. Right. I I enjoy that.
0: All right. right. Uh, Do I think that destruction has more personality or they're on par with chaos? Like, for example, when, of course, Poken figure ass is it an eminent foe on par with chaos. No, uh, but chaos is always going to be the big one, right? Like, you, you, no one—it's not. They're not meant to be. In fact, I would say death and destruction are meant to be secondary to chaos. The real game is chaos versus order, um, and I think that's em- evident in the just the number of armies that each of the grand alliances have. Uh, it's not a one v one fight. That it, it makes for an interesting, like, circle, I guess, where there's you know different combatants. But like, it's always going to be a sideshow, and so this has been a particularly interesting you know, snapshot into that sh- side show, but like it, presumably this has an end and we'll, we'll move on past it. So, um, for it, call it, call them a force in nature, call them, you know, uh, uh you know, unstoppable forces or, or what have you, but like, it's, you're not going to get in that level of complexity out of destruction, but that's not, not their intention. I think it serves the purpose that they're, they're meant to and they do it very well. So, um, Continuing our Grand Alliance questions, uh, Minervis was asking, how do you feel about the more Grand Alliance orientation uh, compared to how all the Broken Realms book had multi faction orientation? And I think related to that question is patron Drake's question. Is the book mostly destruction focused or is it shared with the Dawnbringers order? Um, Is death or chaos mentioned? And I'm just going to keep going. Uh, Patron Milhorn then asked, do death and chaos play a role in the story, even though the book is mostly destruction? So they want to know the interplay between like the, the factions in this book. Um, so for example, I'll say it's an order versus destruction book. Um, yeah, they mentioned some chaos. They don't mention death at all. I think it's really those two are the, are the marquee. Yeah. Um, is there any component to those questions that you guys have more you want to add to or how you felt about it?
3: Um, I would just say, cause one of the questions is like, is it more focused for destruction or is it more focused towards order? The focus is split pretty evenly. Um, but you're going to lean more towards order because they're going to, carry through to the other like they're the main characters The through line yeah yeah um but they did give a lot of focus to destruction basically to introduce the new uh characters in terms of Trug and some of the new iron jaws so they had to give them the spotlight a bit
0: any additional thoughts on that Nope, simple ones. Um, all right, now, uh, Sageman had a question. Sageman14, they ask, uh, what settlements are stated to be sending out Donbringer crusades? And I think they mean uh, beyond just the Hammerhall um, cities. Were there other Donbringer references in the book? I thought there was, but I can't remember what the answer was.
3: Um, I had to remember, because I know... In like the Cities of Sigmar Battle Tome, the answer is all of them except for Phoenicium. Like it's actually part of the requirements to be a city of Sigmar is you have to do your crusades. Um, here there's like a page for each realm of like what a crusade in that realm is like, but they don't really reference any of the like settlements it's just like oh if you're a crusader and actually you're gonna have to deal with ash scorpids and fire keg beetles crawling into your boots and if you are someone in gairan you have to deal with the rain but they don't list any other cities or settlements yeah maybe i was thinking the cities of sigmar book that talked about other yeah. settlements um, yeah that one calls out a lot of like specific ones including like not even major cities but smaller settlements including truce break mm-hmm. um R.I.P. They died how they lived.
0: Um, All right. Another uh, question from Patron Drake. Uh, They ask, uh, further developments on Callison Toll's investigation. Was there any Callison Toll uh, in this book?
1: There was some, but there's been no further forward. Yeah. Yeah. It was a little bit of a placeholder. Like, we still exist. This is a bad idea.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Moving on. Don't send the entire military away. Oh, they did. Oh, no, they're already gone. Oh, geez. Yeah. Uh, Come back! Oh, they did. Oh, that's fun. So, Um, I think they may. I think they may come back in future books if they, if the whole thing with the Ashen Cloister and Hammerhall actually actually continues in the Dawnbringer series. I think they may come back, but I. It feels like they're shunting that storyline off, and then we'll catch up to it later. Sure, when Talia reappears. Well, guess what? I got a related related question. (laughs) Sage mode asks, uh,
0: given every Downbringer short story, and those are the short stories we were talking about that GW puts out on their website um, on Warcom, uh, every Downbringer short story has starred a model, named or otherwise, except the one with Callus and Toll. Do you think this means our cabal of fieldable witch hunters will go from six to eight, the implication being that will Callus and Toll get models? I bet they will one day. What do you guys think?
1: Yes, especially since they actually have uh, the Warhammer TV series now. Right. They did the episode yeah. with Callus and Toll. They've sure. already done the character work. Somebody, like, they always say they don't make models because people tell them to. They make models that people are passionate about. Somebody did the character work for those models. Somebody's passionate about them. I think we're going to see them.
0: I agree. Does anybody think we won't see them? Because you're wrong. we point fingers. <laughs> accusatory. Alright. They're probably going to come. Uh, I, I think they'll probably show up at, at some point. Um, and I think that brings us to the end of the listener questions that I wanted to ask today. Um, and in that case, let's get to the most important question. Hey, what would you guys think about this book? Um, do I have volunteers to go first or I'll just pick somebody?
1: Paul's going first. Um, I really enjoyed this book uh, for a number of reasons. I, I really like the lore. Um, like I said earlier, I like it. Really? En- you like en- lore? That's crazy. I know, right? it's really weird. I like that I can envision the battles i thought that was super fun and the third reason is very esoteric but i love the layout of this book it felt like a battle tome instead of a campaign book and what i mean by that is there was like a little introduction for each Dawnbringer crusade and then they had like the page of lore introducing the new characters for all the characters and for the new units. So it had a mix of campaign book and also battle tome stuff. And especially with the timeline of the three new things that had nothing to do with the events in this book, but are concurrent, right? It also felt very similar. Um, So I I found it really engaging because you kind of went from in the story to out of the story to in deep dives into the different characters. And I thought that was really well done. uh, And I enjoyed reading that in part, in particular. so Uh,
3: Will or Pavin, Armwrestle? I'll take it. Um, Yeah, I also, I really liked it. I know it's definitely not on the same scale as uh, Broken Realms was, and we kind of do need a story in that larger scale for this edition, I think, just because of all those plot threads. But I also do like that we are getting these more lower POV stories. I don't know what... GW has planned in the future, but I kind of like that we're focusing on these smaller crusades and they're finding a way to naturally tie in characters in these areas for the most part. Like, Oh, they're going through Guyran and they come across Gardas, which makes sense. Gardas lives in Guyran. Oh, they're coming across Dricha, which makes sense because she's in this area and they were still tying a lot of these named characters and seeing them without having to rely on. And they fell through a realm gate. On the flip side, a lot of the new characters just fell through a realm gate. I feel like they could have done a little bit more work of like putting them in that realm naturally. Like for Trug, I get it if you wanted him to be in Ran, but then he could have been the bad guy in Ran. But if you want to tie him to a specific realm and then appear somewhere else, a realm gate makes sense. For the Iron Jaws, I do not see a reason why we needed to know they came from Gurr. It it really didn't add anything to the story when they could have tied it more into that area itself. Um, But I do love the cool scenes we get. I do think they do a better job of communicating like how the fighting happened, especially at a smaller level. I'm just kind of torn between like I like these small stories, but also like we really do need some of those bigger stories as well. And I if this is it, I'll be slightly disappointed, but I'm hoping that they do some big moves, even if it is just with the like the next edition rule book. Sure. Maybe they'll get bigger and bigger. Uh, yeah. Paper, what'd you
0: think?
2: Uh, no, really, really fun book. I really enjoyed reading it. Um, I like that it follows the two crusades. I like that we have crusades to follow now. Um, I thought the battles were interesting. And I you know I know we talked a lot about, like, who has the better special characters, you know, <laughs> who's going to win. But I actually, I don't think I was able to predict things too far in advance. Like, I was actually um, pleasantly surprised how much destruction just whooped butt. Mm-hmm. Look. Uh, I think that was refreshing. And it's like about time. Uh, this is the era of the beast. Let's like, let's, you know, let's let the beast out. Um, so I think that was that was all really cool. Uh, I feel like I have a better sense of these crusades as characters, if you can think about them that way. Yeah. I'm excited to see where they go to next. And I but the only thing I yearned for is like how does this matter in like the broader age of Sigmar concept uh, context? Like what, like, you know, if, if the crusades disappeared, you know, nothing would at this point, nothing would change as far as like, you know, anything that would have ramification for anything we know or care about. Um, so I'm hoping to like tie in larger threads into these narratives. Um, and
0: I think that will happen. Uh, but I'm excited to I'm excited for the next book. Um, I think for this, I started off a little lukewarm, and talking about it always makes me like the things better. And so I'm warmer than lukewarm, but still probably close to lukewarm. I don't. I wouldn't say I loved it. Um, it's better than the first one, just because of the mm-hmm. nature of the information it was delivered. Like the nature of what was going on was just going to be more interesting than the the first one was, but the first one served as a backdrop and a prologue and like some, that stuff is necessary, I suppose too. So I, I I get each one was serving a different role. So I I get that. Um, I've been waiting so long for another broken realms. um, And you would, I guess you could say they all can't be broken realms, but like when you wait, X number of years in between editions, like they could be, they can, they can all be broken realms, I think. Um, and so I think maybe I was spoiled by those. I know we keep talking about them, but like, it, it's hard not to compare against them. And so maybe it leads up to something that ends up broken realms. Like as we've talked about. Maybe this gets broader and broader and has a bigger and bigger impact, but like the small scale and low impact on the, on the realms at large um, are just slightly less interesting to me. However, I've said before campaign books are my favorite types of things. I love seeing all the different factions interact when they don't always get a chance to. So like, these are my favorite things. And so because of that, it it gets all sorts of points in its favor because it's uh, interesting. Um, I think one thing that stuck out to me, and this is kind of what I was getting at, you know, in the body of the episode, just a lot of dumb decisions being made, very contrived decisions clearly made just to sort of make the plot work the way they wanted it to. I guess that's how stories work. I understand that this is Games Workshop, like, campaign book. This is Warhammer uh, uh, fiction. Like, that's just sort of how it works. Uh, but it seemed this seemed, like, particularly obvious to me that people were making very dumb decisions to just sort of get pe- get factions or individuals in the right place at the right time. Um, that, like, took me out of it to some degree. I don't know why, to this day, it still bothers me. It shouldn't. I should be used to it by now, but it, it still sticks in my craw a little bit. Um, but all in all... Um, I mean, I, again, I like seeing uh, whenever you give me new units, new models, new new things, I am a sucker for that stuff. So, like, by all means, keep uh, shoveling it uh, in my lap, and I will eat it up. Um, though this was an example of them not justifying where some of the new stuff came from, like you know how we talked about the cities of sigmar in the last episode and like they justified why the cities look different now right like what changed yeah. made these new guys come from but there wasn't really, wasn't really much of that on the iron jaws front i wouldn't say and maybe that will come, maybe this isn't the setting for that i guess maybe you do that in a battle tome but like there's going to be that supplement that comes out i don't even know what that looks like or what it's going to be um but uh there wasn't as many like unique uh, reasons for why the Maw Grunters weren't you know, always around or something like that. But you know, I guess they, they don't have to do it every single time. Though I wish they would. Um, yeah, I'll stop there. So, I mean, definitely, I definitely enjoyed it. Glad I read it, and I'm, as always, looking forward to the next one. Um, any other parting thoughts before we shut her down?
3: Not uh, to say just the those last three threads and stories: the Cole, the Celebrite, and the Carthlos one. I I really like those. I think they need to continue doing those because they are bringing. And like following along some of those larger threads. So even if it doesn't get broken realm scale, we will have an idea of where the story is going to go Mm -hmm. as a backdrop to this crusade story that's happening.
0: Well, it's not. And it's a good reminder that like these are pretty focused up. This this John Bringer stories are two different focused stories. Right. But like the world's still moving. The Mm -hmm. things are still I was going to say spin, and I don't know if the realms spin, but, um, so it, it goes to show that like there are still larger events happening in the world. And that's what I care most about. Like I care about the larger earth shaking quote unquote realm shaking, uh, uh, events. So, all right, cool. We'll shut it down. Uh, it's time for our reforging. But Sigmar willing will be back soon. Like, subscribe, share, or leave a review. Join us on Discord, drop a tip on our Patreon. Anything you can do will spread the word of Sigmar farther than we can on our own. Chat with us anytime about your thoughts on Twitter at the Mortal Realms. Paul, where can they find you online? At PJ Shard. And Paven, where can they find you on the internet? They can't. Ha! <laughs>
3: Good luck, suckers. <laughs> Alright, uh, and then Will Where where can they find you on the World Wide Web? either twitter slash x or threads as age of sever or blue sky simply as sever
0: and i'm aaron you can find me at dos Esos on twitter and i think threads uh and you can find all our mortal Realms shows and content at www.themortalrealms.com <laughs> www.themortalrealms.com and guys i'm sleepy tonight and I don't even have yeah. new babies.
1: I got like a
0: yeah.
2: This I got a, We got first day of school tomorrow, so we got.
0: Yeah. Oh wow, you me know, too. First day of Our school covers.
2: for one of them.
1: But we excited. had the first day of school last week, so a
2: little less casual. I'm
1: excited gotcha. to get them out of this house. It's yes, gonna be great.
2: It's really bad. Pandemoni-
0: pandemonium. Oh, I, I can't talk. pandemonium!
2: Pandemonium! pandemonium. Pandemonium. Got it.